Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. In school, it's just not encouraged. We're crying out for young people to do apprenticeships. What you need to do is be on my side. But every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. They sent me on for psychiatric assessment and they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, if you were in McCartan Street last night having your dinner or a bite to eat, I'll be asking you a question about the whole morals of sitting down to have a bite to eat and splitting bills and all that. That's just a bit of fun as we head into the weekend. But if you were in McCartan Street last night around half nine and you happened to be having a bite to eat and you looked out the window, you might have seen some very distressing scenes. We got this uh, landing into our inboxes last night quite late. Um, shocking, absolutely shocking. This was, because it was half nine at night or thereabouts, broad daylight, you might say. Oh, stop. Jesus Christ. This went on for quite some time. This is a man being kicked and beaten in the middle of the street in broad daylight by a number of people. They took turns on him, basically. And my observation, maybe I'm wrong, but my observation of that video was there wasn't a guard in sight. Now, I'm not blaming the guards. They've got enough to be doing, but there wasn't a guard in sight. Appropriately enough, I happen to be joined in studio this morning by Martin Kenny, who is Sinn Féin's justice spokesman. And Martin, you were on your way to meet our chief super this morning. That's right. Are you, are you, are you aware of, of, of that video? I just seen the video this morning, um, like yourself. I mean, it's it's very distressing. Obviously, it's not something that happens uh, every every night of the week or, or or very regularly. But we do have incidents like this from time to time, yeah. and it's very disturbing. And as you say, the guard they can't be everywhere. The people that's responsible for it are the people that were engaged in it. You know, yeah. and they have to be held accountable for that. And uh, you know, I, I watched the video with some, I, I suppose, alarm. 
that there were so many people standing around, so many people out enjoying themselves, just going, going about their, their daily business as they should and as they should be able to do, yeah. you know, free from that kind of, of behaviour or witnessing that kind of behaviour on our streets or, or the fear and the anxiety that that creates for people, yeah. you know, and particularly, I think, for the businesses in that region and in that area. Yeah. You know, this is a problem that we have uh, across the whole country in reality, but particularly in our built-up urban areas yeah. where we have groups of young people that engage in that yeah. kind of behaviour, that kind of antisocial behaviour. You know, some will say there's too much alcohol involved, there's drugs involved, there's all sorts of things involved, but really it's, it's, just, it's just the worst kind of, tuggery. Of, of tuggery that you could come across. We got a message in from a, a listener as well who said, I was in town at nine o'clock walking my dog, this is what I saw. Traffic at a standstill. The fight went on longer than the footage. Reckons it was about ten minutes. I called 999. You would think in the city there'd be a faster response time. Many people were too afraid to intervene. Mm-hmm. There's six or seven people. They all appeared to be homeless. That's just their judgment, not ours. Those who did try to break up the fight were met with aggression from others. It was the most violent brawl I've ever seen in real life and so upsetting. It made me feel unsafe to walk in town. It was very violent. At the end of the fight, the they still hadn't arrived. The man had been repeatedly kicked. He was picking up his teeth off the street and putting them into his pockets. I've no words for what I saw. Repeatedly beaten around the head, kicked by four other people one of them are women, and no arrests. Like, there were no guards, Martin. We have yeah. a problem with we, a shortage oh, of guards. We have a problem with a shortage of guards in, in everywhere in the country. And, and I mean, I do often say, you know, that, believe it or not, guards are very good value for money, because people talk about the cost of them. But for what they prevent and what they do, and, and how, how they keep society safe, you know, we have to be prepared to invest in, to keep people safe and to ensure that we can have safe communities. Mm. Um, I think there's about 100 guards less in Cork now than there was in the past. And yeah. that, that's an example of, of the problem we've got. Uh, I think the real key to all of this is the community guard, the guard that's on the street that knows the people in the local region, that knows the people on those streets, that knows all the shops, that knows all the homeless people mm-hmm. as well, that knows all the people that are potential problems and, 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 and people who, have, who yeah. have addiction and who have issues and are there to intervene at the right time when there's a time in their life that they can intervene and hopefully move them away from that. Because, you know, it, it's not good for anyone that we have this kind of behaviour going on and, and we really need to, to get the intervention right and to do that, you know, the guards are on the front line to deliver that, but there's so many other services behind there yes. that are absent as well. That we You'll be seeing the Chief about. Super, I know, shortly after 10 this morning. Right. What will you be saying to Super Myers? Well, look, I'll be talking to him around this issue, uh, particularly I suppose in the light of that particular video that we've seen from last night, uh, and the, wall, the, the the broader context of all of that. I mean, I was out in Carrickaline yesterday evening uh, with the, the, the people that deal in the youth diversion programme there, and around young people that get into trouble early on, and what needs to be done to, to yeah. ensure that they can be put on the right path and the kind of investment that's needed in that and you know those issues there they talked about you know serious issues with drugs and particularly with cannabis and with with very toxic cannabis that is available right now Mm. and that is causing real real problems particularly for young people as young as 13 and 14 years of age you know and we, we have it we have an issue across the whole country but you know, yeah. we we need to we need to put the 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 resources in place and the investment in place to deal what, what, with that. What, what and the guards have to try and do that. Is, I mean, obviously, guard the numbers are the numbers way are way to too low. We need more. They're key. But is there is there more to it, Martin? I mean, is there is there a breakdown in society? And if mm. there is, what's it caused by? Do you think? I, I think there is some some level of, of of breakdown in society. But having said that, you, you know, the vast vast majority of people it has to be said, are law-abiding, are civil, mm. and want to do the things right, yeah. you know, and, and are, are generous and helpful to others, and are, are like, not like, like that. Like, like that person <laughs> like said that person to the comment. I mean, so most you're, people you're are talking like about a t- You're talking about a tiny minority, 
You know, and I, I know there was a, a study done in South County Dublin by Johnny Connolly there last year where he found that less than 1% of people in that region, which would be considered a particular area as a black spot, less than 1% of people were engaged in the kind of criminal activity that, that is, yeah. is scourges whole communities. And because of that, it, it has a huge impact. It's a very, it's families, a very influential 1%. It's a very influential. Yes. Like, if you were Minister for Justice in the morning, Martin Kenny, what would you do? Well, first of all, I'd make sure there was more guards in place. I'd make sure there was more community guards in place. I'd make sure there was better funding, which isn't solely about justice, but about other, other things as well. Better funding in place for youth projects, for mm. drug addiction programs, to get people off the streets, to make sure that we have alternatives for people who get into trouble like that. And to, to, to find a way of society understanding that, you know, we have to invest yeah. to make how, the future better. How would you fund that? Now. Well, the money come I mean, from? We, we, we find that the money can come from places who we don't expect. And, you know, when we had uh, COVID-19 and we had a crisis, the money was found. Yeah. You know? and, and, and I think we have to accept that there's some of these issues that we have in our society that are similar crises, maybe not for everyone, mm. but for a portion of our community, there is a crisis which is equally as, as urgent as mm-hmm. COVID-19 was or as the war in Ukraine is or as any of these things mm-hmm. are and we have to find the resources to, to pay for that mm-hmm. I mean our economic output in this country has grown hugely over the last 40 years and yet we continue to take the vast majority of our taxes from the labour that people put into it but labour has shrunk more and more we are more automation we have, we have you know huge amounts of wealth been mm-hmm. created and I think it's a small portion of that wealth. Would you put up corporate taxes? I know that's a well, big thing locked I mean, in North Europe, but it's, would it's you like not, to? It's not entirely about corporate taxes. I think it's about, it's about looking at the, the whole way in which these schemes are set up and a lot of the loopholes is there that while the tax rate is at a certain percentage, an awful lot of the big corporations don't pay that percentage, you know, and, and they need to. And I think mm. if they paid the percentage that's written in the headline... Collect the full with, 15 or the full 12. Or whatever it is, yeah. it would make a huge difference. Okay. It would make a huge difference. You know, another thing that came up, I'm sure you'll have seen it if you're reading your morning papers, we had... A shopkeeper yesterday taking bars of chocolate off the shelf because uh, drug dealers drug dealers and drug u- are using drug the users. tin foil yeah the tin foil on the, the, the tin foil animal small. bars was the one like that had people, the bigger tin yeah, foil yeah for some reason they're very popular they're very cheap of course like, what's going on oh, look I mean it's a reflection of the problem we've got in the use of drugs you know it's, it's, a, it's, it's a reflection on, on, on where mm-hmm. uh, so many young people particularly in our society have fallen into the clutches of uh, the, uh, the, the huge addictive nature and mm. and the the um, I, I think as well as as well as the addiction of it, it it's also about you know that it's 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 a kind of of a lifestyle which has developed for these young people which is is uh, very erratic and and outside of what we consider to be normal living mm. and and they have fallen into that and it's very hard to break. Is those it because cycles. they feel pushed out by society? There's an uh, old there's an old saying um, you may have heard it. You know the children rejected by the village will burn it down to feel the warmth of the fire. Are yeah. these people who have been rejected or pushed out by society? Or is that just a lame well, excuse? Well, there's a bit of that as well, but there has to be personal responsibility by the people that are involved as well, and there has to be you know we, we all have, we all have to take responsibility. It has to be it has to be about communities coming together to take responsibility. And in fact, the the, the example that I found in Carrigaline yesterday, even speaking to the people there was, you know, that there is great community response, there's yeah. huge volunteering happening, there's people out there trying to do I their know. very best yeah. all the time, you know, and, and that needs to be commended. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, uh, another part of it that we found in, in looking at international examples is that, you know, peer-to-peer uh, 
uh, work is, is very important. Uh, People who have gone through the mill, who have fallen into addiction, yeah, who have got out of it, yeah. who've worked... I, the two Nordies is probably the best example in I this I was account. just waiting for you to bring them up. Bring them up uh, as as, as, as examples, examples yeah, of, of people, people right. who, who, can, who can be a huge positive influence. Like we've no, when, when a shopkeeper can't leave chocolate on the shelves, we, yeah. we have a huge problem. But you mentioned the international scene, and we had a huge catch recently, and it's got to be said, a huge catch by the the authorities of the Kinnahans mm-hmm. and the clampdown on the Kinnahans and we've been following it all. But realistically, every crime writer that I know has been saying they'll just be replaced by somebody else. We've an, we've an inherent problem we need to get to the bottom of. Well, we have an inherent problem. And, you know, I often hear it said, you know, that the war on drugs isn't working. Yeah. You know, and there is a certain truth in that because the war on drugs is all about the supply side. It's to stop the supply coming. But I think we need to have, uh, you know, I don't, maybe war isn't the right word, but we need to address the demand side. Mm-hmm. We need to find out why and what we have to put in place to stop this demand for drugs that is there in so many of our communities around the country and put the resources and the infrastructure in place to work on that simultaneously yeah. as trying to stop the supply. Because stopping the supply will only work if the demand is yeah. reduced and that demand is up there all the time because drugs are a, drugs are a painkiller and obviously there's a lot of people in our society that are in a lot of pain and and I would suggest to you Martin they cause an awful lot more pain than they actually well, they kill do, these yeah. days you know, I mean we don't thankfully have in Cork yes although we had a shooting last weekend we don't thankfully have gang members shooting each other in the streets like we've had in Dublin for so long yeah. but what we do have is family members living in fear yeah, of someone coming to the door with a baseball bat that's and right, some yeah. young people have been beaten for 80 quid. That's right, like, that's, that's yeah. a reality on our streets here. It's and again, and what would you yeah. do to change that? Well, again, I think it's 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 down to, to that the issue I was talking about having the community police. I mean, I know I live in a rural area in County Leitrim and I know, you know, it used to be in the past when I was growing up, you knew your local guard. You grew up with them. They helped train the football team. In a lot of cases, in a lot of our communities now, people don't know the guards. They don't have the same relationship with them. If that was there, I think, again, it will work very much to people being able to speak to someone in confidence about issues and problems they've got uh, and being able to overcome that fear. Because an awful lot of people out there, families that have, have young people that, you know, take, take a wayward step for a while, you know, find that they get the knock on the door. Look, your, your, your young fellows owes so much money and we have to get it mm. and pressure going on and all of that sort of thing. And the intimidation, the fear that's in there on that is, is really, really problematic. Mm. And unfortunately, other people also fear that they can't go to the guards with that. Yeah, and, no, there, is, and there is an issue there. Yeah, there's that a they, huge that thing. There's, that there's that kind of a, of, of a barrier that people feel that they can't actually approach the law enforcement agencies that they're supposed to well, approach. I've, I've talked to them because before I did this job, I, I was a news reporter around the, the town and around the county. And I, I must have spoke to thousands of people, hundreds anyway of people, affected by crime. And this is years ago. Mm-hmm. I said, did you report it to the guards? Oh, God, no, that my windows would be put in, my car would be blown up. Yeah. Do you know, people are living in fear for a very long time. This is not a new problem. No. I've okay. gone around a long time. But it's not an, in, an insurmountable problem either. Isn't it? it's, a, it's a problem that can be dealt with. And, and I think, you know, and in fairness, I, I think, you know, the, the new model of police and, and the way the guards are changing things and the way in which there will be, hopefully, more dedicated guards to be out there on the streets mm. doing the community policing will make a big difference and will mm. help, I hope. I also feel that we need to have, you know, better deterrence in place for the people that are repeat offenders and we need to have 
protection in place. That, for instance, you know, and I, I remember it's not that long ago since we had an incident here in the city where there was uh, uh, an old man and woman that were, you know, attacked and beaten up for to get money off them in their house. And, you know, I, I was thinking that time, you know, if they had proper cameras, if they had proper security systems in place, and I think we need to have some kind of assistance from the state to provide for people, particularly elderly people, that they can feel that they're protected yeah. in their own homes. Again, would, would make a difference. Again, again, you're talking about money. One of our yeah. local councillors is listening to a chat this morning, John Maher, he says, like, how, where are the actual figures? You want a quoting, Sinn Féin wants a quoting complex. Sinn Féin wants to cut income tax from 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 the, from the lowest from the people that are on the lower level. We want to see a, re- a reduction in income tax for some people, but for the people on the higher level that can afford to pay more, they need to pay more. But it's not all about income tax. As I said, it's about it's about much better use of the resources that we have as well, mm. and we need to look to all of that also. What do you think of Drew Harris? Do you like the cut of his jib? You might have to <laughs> deal guess, with him if yeah, you were. Look, I mean, I've met Drew Harris a number of times. It's a professional relationship. I, 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 I he does a job. We hold him to account on the job he does as best we can. That's, mm. that's that's our role, you know. Um, his past, you know, everyone has a past. They have. We have to look beyond that and and look to the to the job he does at at, at right now. And, and in fairness, you know, we we find him good to work with and good to deal with. Yeah, Katie was talking about the the way on, on the phone about the way the local police react in Spain. And what I'm thinking about last night down McCourton Street. Mm-hmm. Now, if that happened in Main Street, on and I'll just pick another top of my head, Santa Ponza. Mm-hmm. That happened in Santa Ponza. You'd have twenty Guardia Seville popping out of cars within 30 seconds. We need the numbers and we need yeah. the presence and we need the responses. Now, Mags, who is the wife of a guard, says, what are they supposed to do? Stand on McCourton Street in anticipation. Yeah, can't that, yeah. You can't do that, no, Mags. No. I never said you can do that. No, but we need a response time that is that is minutes, yeah. not 10 minutes. One minute, two minutes. Yeah. Well, yeah, there needs to be a better response. I think technology is a part of this as well. You know, I, I know in many communities there's, there's a, a community CCTV in operation and, and that can help as well the guard they can be monitoring that and can see what's going on and that's not to have Big Brother watching everybody 24-7 but certainly when an incident like that happens then mm-hmm. you know at least there can be some level of detection and also deterrent at least there's a video of that clip yeah. and you know hopefully the guard they can use that to find out who are the people you involved and, and, and be able to uh, you'd, you'd, you'd hope like we, there's 102 probationers passed out yesterday right. I wasn't aware of this 102 of them passed out yesterday Cork is getting one yeah that's I mean, I mean that, that's bizarre. Like. It, it is bizarre, and really, what we need to do is is put more of 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 our Gardaí, and it's not just not just the ones that are uh, the new recruits that after coming out of Temple Moor, but experienced Gardaí that that have have a little bit of experience, know how to handle things, that they need to be put back on the beat on the street meeting people, getting to know what's going on and understanding where they can make a difference. Uh, the big stuff, and you mentioned about the Keenahans and the work that needs to be done there, you know, we, we also need to, to ensure that uh, there is adequate responses in there for to deal with the people that are making absolute fortunes yeah. on the misery of communities. Totally. There. There's a statement out from uh, Gather Press. Uh, they're investigating a public order incident at McCurtain Street. Uh, they received reports of a number of individuals fighting and attended the scene. Upon arrival, uh, the directed those present to disperse. No arrests have been made at this time. Investigations are ongoing. That's kind of a standard statement for the press office just to acknowledge that it actually happened. But people are saying, well, you know, why weren't they there faster? Another another place we have a problem is, is on our public transport. 
Yeah. Martin, the, the amount of stuff that you get in people who see yeah. antisocial behaviour on public transport. It's a huge problem across our major cities. It's the same in Cork, it's the same in Dublin, it's the same everywhere. And that, that's one of the things that if, if I did get the job, I'd be Minister for Justice, that I would do almost immediately. I would put in place a public transport police service, probably on a pilot first of all and see how it works. We have it in most modern cities around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, with climate change and with the, the, the pressure there is on people for to use public transport more and get out of their cars more, mm. and yet people are afraid to use it. Yeah. You know, we, 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 need, we need to address that. And I think the way to address that is for to put a division of the Gardaí which would deal with public transport that would be on our trains, that would be on our bus system, that would be there at the mm. bus stops, that would be a deterrent. Would, would you have, would you, I mean, if you had the resources, it would be great. Yeah. But would, would you have a guard omnipresent on the Cork Dublin train for example. Exactly. That's the kind of thing you want to have. Okay, oh, no, maybe not on every route on, right. on all of the time, but, but certainly uh, that they would be there some of the time and that they would be there to deal with particularly busy periods and people need a comfort that they know that there's security in place for them and I think it's it's one of the areas that clearly raises mm-hmm. a red flag as I say in most international cities we have that because all, all, all a train can do is pull in at the next stop and sure by the time you get to the next stop someone could have been stabbed God only knows what would happen you know, and, and, that's, and that's the problem we've got we also have, have open drug taking going on on our, mm. on, our, on our trains and public transport you know the, there's issues we've had pictures sent to us yeah. exactly and I, I think you know um, saying that it's, it's up to the transport provider for to hire uh, their own security. I don't think cuts it. I, I, I think we have to we have mm. to recognise that you know public transport is a public provision. Yeah. That we have you're to have. Going to need, you're going to be needing an awful lot of guards, and certainly well, our population has grown as well. If we're only getting you one, know? if we're only getting one probationer from from one in the city, eight I'm told across the county from a yeah. class of 102 mm. in our second city, some, something's poor. wrong. It is poor. It is very poor. That's very poor. Just. On something else that comes up from time to time, and again, we see people jailed in the courts every day for yep. committing the most awful crimes. But what comes up also, and some stark examples of the parole system, how early someone can apply for parole right, here. Yeah. You can be jailed for you can be jailed for, for something very serious, and you can be applying for parole yeah. after you have half your, your sentence done. That's mad. It is. It's, 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 it's one of the issues that needs to be looked at and dealt with. And, and I think, you know, um, while having, having said that, you know, the parole board will take into account how the prisoner has behaved. Have they engaged in rehabilitative practices? Have they, have they done courses? Have, have they shown that they are prepared to go down a different track? You know, that, that's really what they're supposed to do. There a couple of weeks ago, I visited the probation board in Dublin, the, the, the centre of, the, of, the, of, of where that's happening. And, and they were saying, you know, that they do an awful lot of work with people who come out of prison. And they were saying that people who go to prison for more than five years have a better impact that they're not going to reoffend mm. than people that go in for maybe a year or less. They go in for a year or less and all they're doing while they're there is looking to when they can get out again. And then they're back in again and then yeah. they're back in again. And short sentencing like that is is, is one of the real problems that they, that they find. I was the people that get longer sentences actually have a better outcome from the point of view of reoffense. And what happens to them inside, I was up at Cork Prison the other day for a magnificent initiative where they're actually training young people to work as chefs and cooks, yeah. training them from work. We need more of that too. We need more initiatives. Abs- like absolutely. And I mean, you know, the victims of crime, and, 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 I, and I just want to address that, yeah. many, many people have been seriously hurt yeah. and seriously injured, have had serious psychiatric, psychiatric problems for most of their lives, for things that have happened to them by very, very nasty criminal elements that have attempted to rob them or beat them or do, do terrible things to them. And, and they have to be acknowledged in all of this. And yet, we have to make sure that we don't give up on anyone in society. Mm. We, have to have, we have to give people you know, a chance for to have a better life because if people come out and they re-offend it means there's somebody else 
going to get yeah. hurt and damaged in the same way again. Yeah. So we have to have systems in place yeah. that we can that we can reform people, that we can have a better society for everyone. Coming back to McCurtain Street, and yeah. here again is something that we've talked about before. My, my late my late father was a was a guard, okay. and in his younger days, he served in McCurtain Street Guard Station, which okay. no longer exists. Gone, yeah. We closed it right there at the edge of the city centre in the Victorian Quarter or whatever yes. they'd be calling yeah. it now. A busy area, a beautiful mm-hmm. tourist area, a big commercial area, we closed that Garda station. Right, yeah. We have to stop closing Garda stations, Mark. Oh, absolutely, and, and you know, and while here in the city, you have an example of one, across rural Ireland, I mean, you have vast areas where you could travel 100 miles to get to the Garda station. You know, you're, mm. you're, are, are one open, there might be a green box on the door half the time. And <laughs> yeah. that's that's the kind of a problem that we've got. We need to make the police service part of a service for the community, and that means it has to be in the community, yeah. and we need to ensure that more and every, like I, I live in open. Douglas, and there's a there's a Garda station there, and honest to God, the FBI would have been proud of it when it opened. The, the, the John Bull Donoghue, when he was Minister for Justice, he opened it. Mm-hmm. Fabulous Garda station. Yep. Try and get in there. I know. Do you know what I mean? I and we need to do, and I, I hope that when you go over and, and talk to our, our, our Chief Super in, in, in a little while, yeah. you'll bring to him the stuff that our listeners are pho- phoning in. Uh, certainly. Cut that's, backs, uh, like, that, that's why I'm fear. here. Fear. Actually, yep. I mean, there's a beautiful area to go to eat. They've done work so hard mm-hmm. in McCurtain Street. The business is down there. Yeah. They've worked so hard to make it a fabulous and place. And they deserve better. And they deserve better. And this crack going on at half nine on a Thursday night in broad daylight. And because we haven't got enough of them, yeah. the guards can't get there fast enough. We have a huge, huge problem. And it's, to, I guess, if there was an election in the morning, people might turn to Martin Kenny and, or, and colleagues and say, we need you to fix this. You know, of course. Look, and, and, and I'm not saying there's a magic wand that you can fix anything immediately, but you can take effort, and there has to be effort put in, and you can take mm. measures now that can make a difference. And one of those first measures is to make sure that you have community guards on the street working with yeah. their local community. I mean, I wonder if you went to every business person in the, on that street, do they know the local three or four guards that's in their area? They, they, prob- they probably don't. There was a time. And if you could time shift it back, there was a time when those guards would come for breakfast into the restaurant yeah. because they were only over the road. Yeah. They're gone. We need to start reopening. Well, like, would so. you would you reopen, yeah, play, revisit uh, yeah, well, guards? I think stations. we have to. Re- I think we have to revisit that. And I know there is. Uh, um, you know, we're in a modern age, and we have modern technology that can do an awful lot of things that you don't need people on the street anymore or as much as you mm-hmm. used to. You have all of that. But I still think it's hard to beat the face to face. And you know, during COVID, we were all using technology. Pardon? But didn't we? Didn't we miss meeting people? Didn't my dad we miss used to that? say, yeah. "My dad used to say, God rest him, you know, boots on the ground yep. never matched a camera on a pole. Yeah, a camera on a pole never matched boots on the ground. We need boots on we the ground. Both. Lots, we need, but of we need both. You do, but you need lots more boots on the ground. And, and look, go over and talk to Tom Wires, see what he says to you. And Thank thanks you for coming much. in to us this morning, Martin. Thank you very much, PJ. Martin Kenny, uh, Sinn Féin's Justice Spokesman on the Opinion Line. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Hi PJ, please don't read out my name or where I live, but the drugs around here are unreal. People can't sleep at night. The guy's doing nothing about it. Will it ever end? No cops to protect ordinary citizens, but 24-hour protection for politicians, says another comment. What does that tell you? Sure, wasn't there a guard... Yeah, Robert makes that point, and there's more than one person's made that point. Wasn't there a guard station on McCurtain Street for years? 
and they shut it. It had about 10 guards on duty there. McCurtain Street has always been problematic, and that's why we had guards stationed there. Like I said, Robert, I remember that station very, very well. I remember it was a run-down, tumble-down shack of a place by the time they closed it, but they should have just done it up and kept it open for sure. We need more guards. They're the first response to everything. Think about that, Billy. Our local TDs obviously have no input. That's an effing disgrace. Open drug abuse and begging along McCurtain Street every day. Not a safe city anymore. And that's an awful pity, do you know? I mean, McCurtain Street is such a lovely place to come for a bite to eat or a drink or go to the theatre, visit a fabulous hotel like the Metropole along McCurtain Street. We've got, it's a treasure. McCurtain Street's a treasure these days. And then all of this open drug abuse and begging along McCurtain Street. Brian, you've got a your very, very good point. And there used to be a guy at the station there. And we closed it. Uh, and and it shouldn't have been closed. I remember my dad at the time, God rest him, he said it shouldn't have been closed either. John Maher, Councillor John, same old story. Not enough Gardaí, not their fault at all. Just not enough of them. Population's growing and the Garda force needs to match the growing population. It's a brilliant street with great business, great food, great crack. And then this happens. Now Mags was giving out to me, but Mags, you know me better than that. PJ stated not a guard was in sight as the incident occurred. Seriously, what are they supposed to do? Stand on McCurtain Street in anticipation of it. Cop on. Mags, I know, I know you come from a very personal place here. Hey girl, so did I. But there's not enough of them. That's why they're not there. That's why they can't get there. I should tell you about the night we were in Santa Panza on holidays. I often talk about this. It happened a few years ago to us. And I, I thought to myself, if we had a response like that in Cork we'd have a big, big change in our society. Because what happened was we were sitting having lunch, as you do, or, yeah, it was lunch, it was lunch, having lunch in a restaurant in Santa Panza one day, about 2015, 2014, 2015. And there was a commotion in the side street down by the restaurant. And this yoke, for want of a better expression, arrives down a side street in Santa Panza, swinging a crowbar, swinging a crowbar, and starts hitting cars, this is at one o'clock or two o'clock of the day, starts hitting cars and hit a street sign. He didn't last 40 seconds. There was a Guardia Seville, two of them, came up on two motorbikes and took him down like you'd take out a sack of spuds in mid-swing. And it happened within 45 seconds. And if they can have it in Santa Ponza, we should have it in McCourtney Street. Or any street like that. We should have response within minutes. Not 10 minutes, not 15 minutes. But thanks for all those. Anything else you want to say? 0818 96 96 96. Or indeed, uh, you can pop us a, a WhatsApp message to 083 396 96 96. Wagatha Christie. I know, actually, in a discussion last night on social media as to why, when there's so much real news going on, are people so fascinated by this stupid trial between two people who've fallen out, who've been told by their lawyers, cop on, just sort it out among yourselves, yet they insist on going to trial. Shirley Donovan's been watching it. Shirley, why is there such a fascination when there is so much real news in the world? Why is there so much fascination with this trial? Morning. Morning, PJ. Um, I think it's probably 
this is just a typical tale of kind of toxic celebrity friendships and social media all been played out. And I think there's something really kind of um, it kind of hooks you into to look at these really w- rich women who are willing to spend millions of pounds in the British court system just to have an argument in public and just to win. Yeah, yeah. Like, according to an article I read, an explainer on the case, the most that can be awarded here is three or four hundred thousand. Like, they've burned multiples of that already between them. Oh, well, aren't they lucky? They're married to footballers, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've their legal bills at this point, I think, um, each are running close to two million sterling. Um, and really, this is something that could have been completely avoided. And I suppose it's playing out almost more now in the court of public opinion than it is in the actual high court in the UK, because the public are weighing in so heavily on social media, which is where this all started to begin with, you know. Remind people who might have forgotten, Shirley, who did what to who here? Because it, it's easy to forget. OK, so if we go back to the start of 2019, um Wayne Rooney and his wife Colleen were living in the States and Colleen Rooney had become quite suspicious that stories that she was sharing on her Instagram or things about her were being leaked to the Sun newspaper and she wasn't quite sure who it was. So there is this facility on Instagram stories where you can put up a private kind of close friend story. So she started um, putting up these close friend stories only broadcasting to a group of people that she thought could potentially be the leak. And as time went on, she narrowed the circle and, and, you know, restricted the views of the stories to fewer and fewer people until finally the only person viewing that private Instagram story was Rebecca Vardy, who's the wife of Jamie Vardy, Mm. uh, another uh, English footballer. So she deliberately leaked up to 17 stories onto this private Instagram story and there were a number of them made their way to the sun at a time when the only person viewing Mm. this private Instagram story was Rebecca Vardy. You you have to compliment, and this is where the wag at the Christie came from, you have to compliment Colleen Rooney for for how she filtered it through, don't you? Absolutely. Listen, there's, there's a job there for her after all of this, but I think, you know, she then chose to... Uh, kind of out this and reveal this on social media and reveal that all of these leaks were coming from Rebecca Vardy's account, which Vardy had denied strenuously from the very beginning. And as the story has evolved, Rebecca Vardy has started to say, look, a lot of people had access to my Instagram account, um, my agent, my publicist, you know, a number of people. Um, And as the story has gone on, you know, it's been revealed that Rebecca Vardy was texting back and forth with her agent in regards to leaking various different stories. Now, not all uh, Colleen Rooney stories, but other stories as well. So, look, there's the kind of pair of the minute you have to look at it like, you know, it's very hard to know who's right or wrong here. But I think looking at social media and looking at um, Twitter conversations and different threads, the public sympathy seems to be on the side of Colleen Rooney for a lot of this. Mm. Uh, but it's hard to know. And as you say, like it's it's a very going to be to them a very small payout at the end of it, if even any, because it could be almost struck out and just, you know, yeah. You know, Colleen Rooney would have to pay a pound. Yeah, well, if you look at it, right, back in March, and I think I was talking about March of last year, they were estimating how much it would cost. And they said it would cost Rebecca about 900,000 sterling, which is well over a million euro. 
and clean oh. about half that just to fight the case. Yeah. And and the max they could win is the max is is probably three or four hundred thousand if uh-huh. Becca wins, like. So she's gonna be out and of you see pocket. The- I think it's not about that. This is not about money because if it was about, you know, they don't need the money, yeah. either of them. This is purely about kind of reputation and almost like a power play. And to be fair, I suppose, Colleen Rooney never wanted this to go to court. She had tried, they had mediated a lot to try and keep this out of the courts. Mm. She was spitting the tale of like, this is a waste of court time in the middle of a pandemic mm. when the British justice system should be dealing with more serious crimes. She was kind of playing that card. But for some reason, Rebecca Vardy is absolutely determined mm. to attempt well, to clear her name. Well, I guess, you know, Shirley, she feels, whether she's right or wrong about it, she feels she has been grievously wronged and she wants the courts to recognise that. Absolutely. And I think, you know what, there's a massive irony here, PJ, in that like Colleen Rooney is saying that, you know, Rebecca Vardy has dragged her name, leaked stories about her, dragged her name into the media against her wishes, publicly humiliated her, caused her great anxiety. And I think the biggest irony here is, to me, the only person that's ever done that to Colleen Rooney is her husband. On a much larger scale, you know. You might very well think that. I couldn't possibly come. But when you go and put stuff on Instagram anyway... You're you're putting it out there for yourself. So where it started was, she was putting stuff on Instagram. And she was wondering why the papers picked up on it. Do you know what I mean? And I mean, that's going to be par for the course when you're in the public eye. And none of them are none of them are in any way foolish they are courting the media to a large extent they're like Colleen Rooney is part of this wag for want of a better term circle since she's 16 years old so she knows exactly how to play the game and they're all organizing you know scheduled paparazzi shots and you know disclosing locations to get better shots and I think there's there's a lot of currency as well for them in terms of giving the paparazzi a little bit of what they want so that perhaps when scandal comes to your own door that you have a couple of ways of maybe kind of keeping a lid on things. You know I watched a brilliant documentary about that Shirley um, about the paparazzi and and Diana Princess Diana. Yeah. She she had some of them practically on speed dial. They knew where she was going to be because every so often she'd pull in a favour from some of the paps. And, and they all Absolutely. do that. And I they think all do that. They all do it. And I think no better no better group of people to be doing it than, than footballers' wives in a certain way. But I think as well, I suppose, there's this other, there's this third party, another character in all of this who is um, Rebecca Vardy's agent who is not testifying and has withdrawn her kind of support to, and, and opportunity to appear in court due to illness. But Rebecca Vardy is now sort of saying, look, it's possible that she did all of this. She had access to my Instagram. The texts going back and forth between them reveal a lot of like, let's leak this. Yeah. This came from me. Um, so like there's a very mean girls vibe to all of this as well, you that's know, and it's very, not. That's actually a it, great it, analogy now that you put it that way. Yeah. And it's just not doing them either any favours. I cannot see what they're hoping. Like, I don't think any of their reputations are going to exactly, one of them is going to come out of it better than the other. Neither of them are making themselves look very good. Mm. And in the long run, this could have been handled behind closed doors, ultimately. Oh, you know? It should have been. And, and Colleen then and, and, and Wayne, not even in court for the for the summing up, like off off on their holly bobs, like the life of the rich. Off on holidays. And more, did you notice Absolutely. how? Did you notice how they were at Manchester Airport with a photographer. 
Of course they were, because this is the name of the game. Because surely if the idea was to leave the court ahead of the closing arguments and escape privately, get away on holidays and dodge all of the kind of the furore that would surround the conclusion. No, we'll just bring a photographer with us so everybody knows we've left the country. And the turn up at Manchester Airport looking like a couple who've been pulled through a bush and there's a photographer there. It's all a setup. It's all a racket. And I think like that, there's also this kind of sideshow of like, what are they what are they wearing? How do they look? You know, all of this like fodder for tabloids. Yeah. Like the like that's the other irony of it. You know, she's giving out about stories being linked or leaked or and so on, and all of this playing out in the media, and they're courting the whole there thing to whipping it all up into they're, a big frenzy and a, and a fashion the show and a the parade. Cost, you know. Exactly, and I think. Colleen is probably playing this a little bit cuter in the sense of she's wearing Zara. It's all very relatable. She's tired looking. She's not as kind of celeb looking in inverted commas. She's got the boot on her foot because she's got this injury on her foot. And then you have Rebecca turning up in this designer gear head toe, yes. the big sunglasses, you know. And that suit she keeps wearing, I'm sure there's a different one every day, but that suit is flying off the shelves. Like, I mean, people people buy what they see on, on the celebs. Listen, we'll leave it there, Charlotte. Uh, thanks for that. It's 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 bizarre. The interest, the level of interest in it is huge. We'll wait and see what the judge comes up with in the fullness of time, which could be weeks, by the way. It could be weeks. This won't be something they'll come in on Monday and make a decision on. Charlie Donovan, thanks a lot. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yes, someone was saying to me last night, it's just bread and circuses. People lap it up as a distraction from real news. You try and find me a bigger talking point on social media over the last couple of days. People are fascinated by this old nonsense. 0818 96 96 96. Carlos says it's not the guard's fault. This is McCourton Street and other things. The judges are so lenient in their sentencing. The guards are family too. It's not spoken about much, but would you make waves against some of the scum out there knowing that they regard soft jails and soft jail terms as a holiday? Yeah, we have a soft sentencing policy. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Lots of anti-social behaviour has a lot to do with social media. People are planning and arranging fights. That guy I had on is completely right. There's a lot of drugs involved. Personally, I hate fights. They're frightening just to look at. It's awful the way some teenagers carry on. They're ruining their lives and ruining other lives. Anti-social behaviour has gone beyond a joke. All the guards can do is move them on now. It's going to continue somewhere else. No wonder people are afraid to go out. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The Shine Ladies Lunch takes place on Saturday the 11th of June at the Clayton Hotel, Cork City. A fabulous day filled with food, fun, music and more. There'll be a host of raffle and spot prizes on the day with dancing until 10pm. All proceeds from the event will go towards supporting the work of the Shine Centre Cork, supporting families and children on the autistic spectrum. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Can we just talk? The 
Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Trinity College's School of Nursing and Midwifery conducted a survey recently, a major survey. They spoke to nearly 3,000 new mums and they found out quite a, a disturbing statistic. Around 15% of them suffered from some kind of depression after having a baby and most of them were people who had no issues with depression at any time previously in their lives. Uh, They say some women, up to a fifth of women, will suffer some kind of mental health issue during or after. Dr. Maz Mohammed is a perinatal psychiatrist and, and joins me now on the line. Why does this happen, doctor? Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Thank you for, for having me. Um, yes, that, that's right. You, you, you quoted the, the one in five, and that's definitely what we see uh, on the ground uh, with the services across the country. Um, and there are probably lots of different reasons why uh, this, is, this is so. We, we know that, um, you know, pregnancy, uh, you know, uh, there, there, there are lots of changes in, in you know, uh, from a hormonal point of view, but there's also a lot of stress in in relation to you know bringing the baby to you know to full term, uh, ensuring that you know um, baby is well, uh, and and in the postpartum period, then there are a lot of stressors in terms of uh, poor sleep. Um, you know, difficulties with maybe or worries about how you know the health of the baby uh, following following that. Um, you know, and there's a lot of pressure as well on on women to to um, you know to, to you know to be the perfect mum. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of stress from from that point of view in terms of breastfeeding, uh, etc. So all that can can cause you know uh, you know an increase in in uh, mental health presentations during pregnancy. And how, that's how much of it is down to the fact that your hormones are basically like a bowl of soup after all of this? Um, it's difficult to, to to quantify from that point of view. I think um, it, it's one factor, but there there are lots of different different factors there because you know being a mother is is a big transition, um, and especially you know being a mom for the first time. Um, they say that when the baby is born, you know, a mother is born at the same time. So, you know, there, there's a, a big shift in in uh, expectations from yeah. society, etc., that that occur in, in during that transition. It's an entire life change. Baby blues, we've heard of. Pretty mm-hmm. much everyone gets them at some level or other. But yeah. what's the difference then, doctor, between baby blues and an actual postnatal depression? And at what point? I'm thinking of women. Mm-hmm who are about to have a baby say listening to me or have just had a baby who are listening to me they can identify with the baby blues at what point should they be worried though that there's more going on that's a good question i think uh, as you as you pointed out uh, the majority of women do get baby blues i think uh, some studies would would quote you know up to 8 out of 10 women would would experience some form of baby blues uh, the thing with baby blues is that it, it occurs early on in the postpartum period, so usually within you know the first couple of days, uh, but it typically resolves within the first you know 10 days to 14 days. The first two weeks, uh, the, you know these symptoms should resolve. The mood is is often up and down. There might be more tearfulness. Mm. Um, they might have worries about the baby, but the, the the low mood is not persistent. And so usually what what we say is that if the symptoms uh, persist. Uh, for more than two weeks, 
if the mood is pervasively low, so if it's consistently low, uh, and if the woman finds it difficult to enjoy things, if they're feeling very tired, uh, not just because of poor sleep, uh, if, say, you know, a partner gets gold star for, for doing all the night feeds, uh, but they still find it difficult to, to fall asleep, then maybe it's a sign of something more uh, severe, something like postnatal depression mm. or other uh, conditions because, um, you know, perinatal mental health um, uh, illness is not just about baby blues or postnatal depression. There are quite a lot of other um, uh, presentations that and, and uh, you know that, that can affect women in in the perinatal period. Yeah, how important is it to reach out, or if if you are not feeling right, it's it's extremely important to to reach out, and and uh, unfortunately, it's also a time when when uh, as I say, women feel a lot of pressure to be the perfect mum. So uh, you know, it's ar- it's hard uh, to to admit to to struggling during this period. But there is help, um, and uh, you know, services have been developed across the country, particularly in the last couple of years with the launch of the model of care in 2017. Uh, so around 2018 uh, onwards, you know, across the country, that there are hubs uh, of perinatal mental health teams being developed, uh, you know, developed, and also in the small hospitals, there there are also mental health midwives. Um, who, who can help. Um. And just because you've had your baby doesn't mean that you can't go back. Something one of those researchers from Trinity said was mm-hmm. that maternal health care tends to stop six weeks postpartum. Mm-hmm. Clearly the evidence here is that it should continue beyond that. Well, our, our services definitely uh, continue up to the end of the first postpartum year. So we provide you know, service all throughout the pregnancy uh, and up to the end of the, the postpartum year. Now, not, not all women with, with um, you know, uh, depression, for example, or anxiety will need a specialist service because there, there's you know, a lot of help that can be, be sourced in, in primary care. But definitely for, for women with moderate to severe uh, conditions or illness, you know, the, the service is available. And, and also we have you know, mental health midwives who, who are able to deal with you know, milder presentations as well. Okay, I'll stay with this one after the news. Dr. Maz Mohammed, a perinatal psychiatrist, thank you for bringing this on the opinion line. I'm going to stay with this one after news. I'll be talking to Madge Fogarty, who is the chair of Postnatal Depression Ireland. And I know, because I've talked about this so many times, there are many, many people affected by this. And sometimes they don't even realise they're affected by it. So we'll have Madge after the news at 10. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 9696 9696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The opinion line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. So come back to uh, postnatal depression and postnatal me- mental health issues in just a sec. And in particular, I'd love to hear your own experiences 
Like, if you had a bit of postnatal depression and you managed to get through it, you managed to get help, um, I'd love to hear from you. If you're trying to deal with it and, and you'd like to describe to us what it's like, because, you know, for those of us, particularly me, I'm only a man. What the hell would I know? But for if you want to try and tell us what it's like, we're here for you at 0818 96 96 96. I will come back to that. But first of all, a lot of people will go for a, a bite to eat, I guess, tonight or tomorrow night around town. Hope everywhere will be busy and thriving. This came up on Twitter, and I've seen it before. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, do you know what? If you go out in a group, this is my side of this. If you go out in a group, you split the money. Just split it. Don't be getting nonsense. I had lunch with a few friends, says this post. They ordered drinks and appetizers with their lunch. I had a salad. They know I don't drink, but yet they insisted we split the bill equally. I'm not a cheapskate, but it's the principle. Am I wrong for not wanting to pay more than my fair share? Like, if you go out in a group, four or five of you, three or four of you, two sets of friends, three sets of friends, two couples, whatever, three couples, go out for for dinner, there might be a non-drinker in the group. There might be a person who doesn't need a whole pile in the group. What do you do? Do you split it six ways? Or five ways or four ways? Do you revolute it to each other? Whatever. But if one person doesn't drink or if one person has a small appetite or doesn't have a starter or whatever, like, do you start doing the sums? Well, Mary, now you had the, you had the trout. John, you had the steak, but you had the extra mushrooms with the steak. And Finbar, you had three points, like... You three points, but then again, Madge, you see, you had, you had, you had a whole bottle of wine. Do you do that kind of nonsense, or do you say, lads, look, it's 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 one hundred and fifty quid or one hundred and forty quid, split it four ways and revolute me the money up? Do you do that? What what, what do you do when you're out? Okay, your thoughts at oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six or oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now let us come back to our discussion before ten with. Uh, the doctor, the perinatal psychologist, Dr. Mohammed, or psychiatrist rather, about postnatal depression and postnatal mental health issues and the finding from Trinity College's School of Nursing and Midwifery. They studied over 3,000 people, which is a big study, and they found huge percentages of people with some level of postnatal mental health issues and a lot of postnatal depression out there. Uh, Madge Fogarty is the founder and chair of Postnatal Depression Ireland. It's a voluntary group all made up of recovered mums, mums who've been there and back as it were with postnatal depression and she joins me to talk about it. Madge, good morning. Good morning PJ. How common is it that the baby blues which we understand most women go through at some level how common is it that the baby blues don't go away and become something more troubling? Well, it affects at least one in five. And of course, because of coronavirus and a lot of mums being isolated in hospital on their own, it seems to be on the increase, uh, which is quite quite sad. Um, so even one in five is a lot. It is. Um, and like... A lot of the mums, the first-time mums, don't know anything about postnatal depression because it, there's still a stigma there. Yeah. 
you know, people don't talk about it. People are ashamed of it. Mm. So um, I do take part in the antenatal classes in the maternity hospital, mm. even though that is also on Zoom yeah. at the moment. Yeah, and since, still, yeah. The, yeah. yeah, which is terrible. Well, I was going to ask you that question, Madge. Like, do, I would have thought, this is just simple yeah. logic, I would have thought that every woman attending an antenatal class or course would be warned and advised of the dangers of postnatal depression. But you see, they should be. But you see, there is this thing out there. If we tell them about it, they might think they have it. Do you get me, PJ? So sometimes uh, they may not, you know, which is very wrong because um, mums need to know because they walk into it. It's like I would say... You know, for me, I had a bad birth experience. So there's always a trigger. Yeah. So like I was talking to the mums yesterday and I was saying, you go in for a normal delivery and the next thing you could end up with an emergency section. So that in itself is, is very traumatic. OK. And for some women, this can be a trigger, you know, yeah. because they feel they've let themselves down. They've let their partner down, that they wanted all this fantastic experience. And now it's all been taken away from them. Okay, and and that's I'm talking from women that have ended up with postnatal depression as a result. And, you know, the other thing is, as I said already, women are afraid to talk out. They're afraid to tell people uh, in case they'd be judged. There are some people that are afraid to go to their GP. Would you believe that? They're afraid to go and tell their GP in case their GP will think badly of them. Madge, who, 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 who brought back 1972? All of a sudden, this is twenty twenty two. People are still afraid. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. It's terrible. It is it's terrible. A, a girl rang me one day to know would I refer her to another GP because she knew her GP and she didn't want to admit to her GP that she could have postnatal depression. Um, I don't shock yeah, easily, so is, Fogarty, but I'm shocked listening to you. I don't shock easily. Yeah. <laughs> In twenty twenty two, people have. Sure these thoughts yeah it's terrible and their other thoughts is they're afraid to admit to their GP or their public health nurse that they might have postnatal depression because they're afraid their baby would be taken off them this is still a fear in this day and age yeah I know now years ago like our group is going 30 years and women used to be thinking that in those days but they're still afraid you know well look they're, they're always looking on the worst scenario Okay, and things may not be as bad as they think. So we are running Zoom uh, support meetings now and we are talking to women all over Ireland, which is one good thing that has come out of COVID. Yeah. Because we're getting to talk to all these other women. And the first thing they say, oh, my God, I thought there was something. I was the only one in Ireland go through this. And now I'm so assured when I hear from other women that you can recover from this. And you will recover, you know. Wow. And um, so, yeah. I, again, it's it's, it's just I mean, like I've talked about this many times on the program. I I've listened to countless radio shows. I've read countless um, surveys, like the one from from Trinity. I've watched documentaries, mm. and I would have thought that we lived in an Ireland where you could openly say, "No, you know what? I had a baby, and I'm not feeling great." Because I, I, I know there was only a girl on last week and she told her friend and her friend just changed the subject. 
she wouldn't even, she was so uncomfortable, she couldn't even talk about it. So we need a conversation going that it is okay to have postnatal depression. And Peter, you didn't mention this now. In the whole of Ireland, we do not have one mother and baby unit. So if a mother is so bad that she needs to go to psychiatric hospital, which is another worry for women, believe me, they will be sent in there without their baby. Okay. So in 2024, hopefully, which they're not broadcasting, which is amazing, when this new maternity hospital is built in Vincent's, there is now a plan to put in a, a mother and baby unit. Right. So... Yeah, and of course, but it's been kept in the in in the dark. We're talking about yeah. so my phone is going off. That's okay. That's probably someone ringing you to tell you you're on the radio. That's what that is. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but sorry, Nadia, no, you're okay. Do whatever you need to do there. I'll yeah, give you. I give you. I give you a second. You're, you're okay. Good. Good. Um, it's so it's important. Gone, it's gone, it's gone. Good, yeah, good, good. Isn't it so important though that people feel empowered? to say, actually, the baby blues have not gone away and I'm struggling. Yeah. And the first person yeah. you would say it to, I would have thought, anyway, if you have one with you, is your partner. Yeah. That is true. And usually they will tell the partner because usually the partner will notice that there's something wrong. Actually, we have partners and husbands ringing us because they're worried sick and they don't know what to do. And the wife or partner is refusing to go to the doctor, um, you know, because they're so full of anxiety, because anxiety is the main symptom really of uh, postnatal depression. And but, you know, the partners then feel their hands are tied. What am I going to do if they won't come? So I would say, look, will you will you give them the number? Just say you heard this on the radio and ask them to give me a ring and have a chat. Um, so that sometimes works. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, there is a lot of it around PJ. That's yeah. all I can say. Some and the, you know the isolation of COVID, yeah, where made it worse. People couldn't meet their parents, their friends. They were yeah. isolated in the house with their small baby. No mother and toddler groups. No baby groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we're waiting. I think we're going to have a tsunami coming down the line. Do you know? You know, I really do. I'm really worried about. I it. spoke at one point uh, to women who had babies in the first lockdown. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that they didn't see, like one woman was saying to me that she didn't even see her mom, her own mom, to introduce yeah. Granny to the new baby for eight weeks. Mm. And she said yeah. that by the end of it, she was a mental mess. Now, yeah. she didn't have the oh, depression, really? but she was a mess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, really, it, it has been a really, really difficult time. Someone is asking here. So, but look, we're, look, yeah, sorry. Someone is asking here, uh, if you had depression before pregnancy, could you get worse afterwards? Uh, you could. Yeah. It, it may not happen, but for some people it can be, uh, it can develop into it. But what I would always say is it's something to watch out for, yeah. but something not to worry about, you know, and it may it may go away, but that their GP is aware of it. That's really important. Like this is the other thing, okay? Now, I'm, I'm being bold here, but mm-hmm. when a mom signs into the maternity hospital, you know, that she's having a baby and she's getting her che- her first checkup, like one of the questions on the form is, have you ever had a mental illness? Okay. 
Now, I was talking to the girl in the office the other day. She had a baby lately. And she said, yeah, Madge, there was two other women in the room with me, two other women, pregnant women. So she said, you know, it's really embarrassing because you know these people are, can hear you. So you may be embarrassed and ashamed. Mm-hmm. So lots of women don't come forward and don't admit that they have had a problem before. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so they're not pre-warned. Now, if they're pre-warned, they can't keep an eye on them after the baby's born and make yeah. sure that they're okay. Another query you know? there, like so, if, you, if you had depression in the last few months of your pregnancy that you'd never had before, should you be more wary of postnatal? Yes, you should be. But it's more important that you know that your 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 team around you are aware so that they can check up on you and make sure that you're okay. And listen, PJ, this is the other thing. You know, nowadays, you know, people are having babies and they've all these high expectations because they're on Facebook, they're on Twitter, they want to be the most fantastic mom oh, in the world. So no, everyone wants to be fantastic. I'm so happy you're going there. And, and they put themselves under so much pressure to be perfect and they want everything perfect. And then this is the reason then why they can't admit to somebody, well, maybe, maybe it's it's not as perfect. And the first three months are really hard going. Sleep deprivation, up all night, baby crying, you know, and look here, just because we have a baby doesn't mean we're an automatic mother, Do you know. You, you become a mother over oh, time. Yeah. They don't just come with an instruction the book. Sky. They yes, don't exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but the girls, I mean, they, they ha- they, they've been sort of led to believe that this mothering instinct is going to fall on top of them and they're going to know how to do everything that's, automatically. That's rubbish. And then you have the breastfeeding issue, you know, being put under pressure to breastfeed and Look, and I think everybody should give it a go. I really do. But, you know, if things are not working out, I know mums that put themselves to the pin of their collar because they were afraid and ashamed to give up the breastfeeding, even though they were going through hell. Now, that's not right either, PJ, is it? You know what I mean? If if somebody isn't feeling right as we speak, Madge, what's the first protocol for them? I will, well, I would always recommend that you talk to your GP, your public health nurse. Ring us in the office for a, a chat. Because sometimes women worry that they might have it. And when we start talking, maybe it's something completely different, you know. So um, you, I presume you'll give out our number at the end. You, you give it to me and I'll give it to people. You, you okay, shout four the nine, four nine, four nine, double two, zero eight three. That's an 021 number, isn't it? 021, yeah. Okay. Now we have a mobile number as well. I give you that. You can. Because we, we drive we, on. We took this out during COVID. 083. Yes. 485. Yes. 06. Yes. 89. Okay. All right. Madge, I will leave it there with you because I know Ashley has called the program to, to talk about her experience. That's Madge. Fogarty and delighted to speak with Madge, founder and chair of Postnatal Depression Ireland. I'll give you those two numbers again in a minute and we'll put them up on our social media. The numbers you can contact if you're, as they say, worried about yourself. And you know, if you have a story to tell us or something that maybe you could advise people, if you've been through it and come out the other side, maybe you could advise 
listeners. Uh, you can contact us at 0818969696 or drop a voice note even to 083 396 Now Ashley has gotten in touch with us while I was talking to Madge. Ashley will you do me a, a huge favour? Just let me clear an ad break here and we'll talk then, yeah? Can you do that for me? Yep. Brilliant. Talk to you in a couple of minutes. Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmery. Join me on Sunday morning when we take a look at what's happening in the arts in Cork and help you plan some great nights out at the theatre or see the latest films on release, catch a brilliant music gig or find the perfect book to get stuck into. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Straight from our soil to your table. Griffin's Potatoes are simply nutritious and delicious. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, Ashley, thanks for waiting. I just wanted to get that out of the way. You contacted us when you were listening to Madge. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, what's your own story, Ashley? <clears throat> so, I had my little girl in 2018. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm a nurse as well myself. So, and I've done the antenatal, so we were aware of, you know, we were educated regarding postnatal depression and everything else. But I suppose when I came down to it, when I had her, um, I suppose it was emergency C-section. Right. And it was, um, it was nearly 20 past midnight when she was born. And when I woke up in the morning, it was as if, the only way I can describe it is if someone had just turned off the lights. My mood had, it was just, it just wasn't there. Do you know, I had no excitement, I had no happiness, I had nothing. Um, and 
I cried and I cried and I cried <laughs> and it just went on and my partner my husband was looking at me and he goes what's wrong and I was like I don't know <laughs> Do you know um, and as the days went on now I was trying to breastfeed as well which actually my milk never came in so it was unsuccessful now it didn't help I suppose the midwives I had at the time were trying to promote the breastfeeding and they wouldn't give me bottles so I had a screaming baby for 12 hours at night, mm. you know, and she wasn't feeding. Eventually, with the change of staff, I managed to get bottles in the morning. So that did kind of, I suppose, calm down one side of things. But as the days went on and by the time I got home, I just cried more and more and more. And it just kind of got worse. But I suppose my husband was saying, you know, you're not right. You know, you're, you're not right, you're not yourself. And, and could you, Ashley, were you able to explain to yourself or to anybody who asked you why you were feeling this way? No. And uh, even now, like, even if I try to explain it, there's no words you can put on it to how bad you feel. You know, there's no... It's just like a dark tunnel. You know, you don't see any light in it. And I kept saying to my husband, oh, you know, the baby blues, they do say they can last. And in some cases, they can last a good few weeks. So this was going on. He had to go back to work. um, And his work had made him take paternity leave on my due date. And of course, I didn't have her till a week and a half late. (sighs) So So his leave was used up. Yeah. Yeah. So he went back to work about half a week after she was born. So I was on my own. My sister-in-law then used to call to me and thankfully, you know, she did. And I remember, because I'd gone off the cigarettes while I was pregnant as well, and I went back on them after she was born. And when my sister-in-law would call, she'd be looking at her and I'd say, do you want to hold her? (laughs) And I'd hand her over and I'd go and I'd stand outside the back door and I could sit there for 20 minutes or so just crying. And I'd wipe up the tears and come back in and put smiles on. You know, that's, I suppose that's the way it was. Mm. Um, How did you feel towards your little girl? You obviously, you, you loved her to bits, I'm sure. Oh, I did. You know, I, like, I had this, do you know, like, if it's this anxiety and the pit of your stomach. You know, like, I suppose when you were in school and you had a big test coming up or mm. if you have a big interview and that nervousness you have in your tummy. I had that all the time. It never went. Is it that you felt you weren't able for this or that you couldn't handle this or that the, the reality of raising a small child had finally dawned on you? I don't even think that entered my head, to be really? honest. I think it was more... So the best way that it could be described was like my mum had said to me, it was like you were afraid of her, you know, like that anxiety would build and build and build when it would come closer to her waiting for a feed or waiting for a change or, you know. um, I've heard this before. Yeah. And it was just like, I can't even explain how bad it felt. And again, my husband was saying, you're not right. You know, you need to see someone. And I was like, oh, but 
you know, it's the baby blues. And then I suppose about, she was maybe 12 weeks old. Mm. And like that now, he works half days on a Friday. And he came home and he said, you know what, go on a way in, go into town, go have your cup of tea, you know, and <laughs> take your time. And I'll stay here with her. So I went off into town. And when I came home, I don't know how I said it to him, but obviously I was upset. And he was like, what's wrong? And it was, you know, I wasn't thinking anything. I was driving home and it was just one little thought in my head, just pull the steering wheel in front of a truck oh and God. it'll be all over. Oh, God. Oh, God. So then I knew, then I knew yeah. I wasn't right. So she would have been, what, 12 weeks? Yeah. And the minute I said that to my husband, he was like, no put me in the car <laughs> he took me down to the doctors and he sat outside and he said right going <laughs> and I had very good support from there going forward how are you now? I'm good I'm good um, like I was seen by the psych psychiatric community psychiatric nurse had rang me I'd say a couple of maybe a day or two later and then I saw the psychiatrist a week after that and then I was seeing them weekly because they do consider it very serious. Yeah. How long did it take for it to, to settle, or did it settle? It did. Um, I suppose they gave me medication as well, which I suppose I was a bit apprehensive about taking initially. So it took me about a week to actually take them. But when I took them then, look, I was committed to it then. Mm. Um, but I suppose she was nearly a year old, more, and like yeah, I was on the medication then for just over maybe a year and a half to two years, right. and I had just come off the medication when COVID hit. Okay. And the big thing for me was like I suppose that feeling that you have it's it's overwhelming. It's it's a horrible feeling, and you do anything to get rid of it. So yeah. I did. I, I, she said, the worst thing you can do is stay in and look at the four walls. I have my, I had my child walked the length and breadth of town <laughs> yeah. every day. Yeah. I was never at home, <laughs> and that really helped me. Yeah. And now, I suppose when COVID hit, then I was just off my medication, so it was a big thing then not to get out. Yeah. You know, so. I not to say I didn't have a relapse, but I could just feel my mind, frame of mind kind yeah. of. Could could you sense this? Could you sense it under the surface? You could. Yeah. yeah. So I had said, right, okay. I rang my GP, and you know what? I suppose the stress of work as well. Then as well on top of it, so she gave me two weeks of, you know, two weeks off work. Basically, she did suggest medication again, and I said no. I want to kind of stay away from that, and I went away. Then I paid. Now, not everyone can do it, but I paid for counselling myself. And I did one counselling session a week for maybe four or five weeks. Mm. And then I do, I still do one every maybe six months or so. Right. You know, and that's fine. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's helped to get through. Yeah. Yeah. What advice would you have? And again, there's probably someone listening. And I, something that you said to me a few minutes ago, and I said I, I, I had heard it before, and I did. You, you mentioned that at one point you felt that you were almost afraid of your little girl. Yeah. I think that's very profound because I've heard that before. If someone actually is feeling that right now as they listen to us and 
the dread is, well, the little girl or little boy, six, seven weeks old, they're, they're sleeping at the moment and they'll be due to wake at about half past 11 and the dread is mounting. That's not a natural feeling. So what should they do? What's the first thing they can do? I mean, the first thing you can do is go to your GP. I mean, at the end of the day, like, it's not just you. You have to do it for your child as well. You know, like, I left to go thinking, oh, look, it's the baby blues, and I left it for weeks and weeks and weeks until I had that... that, um, Awful moment. That awful moment. And, like, God forbid, like, and that's what scared me, is that I could have done it in in the Mm. space of time that I had thought about it. But I didn't. But what if it was about her? Do you know? And I think that's what pushed me then, because I said, you just don't know, like... Mm. And maybe, maybe, maybe what stopped you doing that was the realisation that you had a child to mind, you know? And you know what? And I'm, you know, I suppose I'm in the nursing profession and it doesn't really matter what you do. You know, it doesn't make you an expert on anything, you know? But I mean, people are there for you, you know? And... Like you want to, I suppose it's better to get it seen to early. Mm. Like my GP had said, look, it's amazing your husband clicked onto it. Yeah, you know, and was on to you and on to you. And I think because he was constantly on to me about me not being right, I suppose I was a bit more alert to mm. it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, they they are there for you, and not to be ashamed. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, like when you go for your counselling, they say this is nothing to be ashamed about. Ha- I have to say, your... I find it shocking that in 2022, Ashley, and that Madge said the same. I find it shocking in 2022 that anybody would feel ashamed of that. No, no, and I, I've never made it a, I've never made it a secret either. And to be fair, when I it took me a year to go back to work, and when I did, you know, surprisingly, another nurse actually said to me, she said, "Was it the way you weren't ready for a baby?" And I, I looked at her and I went, what? <laughs> you know, like mm. people still have those attitudes now, well, you know. Well, well, thank you for coming to us uh, with your story and for telling it so clearly and, and so honestly. Ashley, thank you. As Ashley Maloney, um, her own experience, Rangers' experience, there are people who can help you. Um, Madge gave us those two numbers we've put them up on our social but the numbers if you need someone to help you right now this minute 021-4922-083 that's 021-4922-083 or 083-485-0689 that's 083-485-0689 you can go to your GP or you can look up the website pnd.ie or you can ring your Obsgyny team, whatever. We also had a call, I think, or contact at least from, yes, call from the program manager of the Specialist Perinatal Mental Health Service. And they wanted me to read something out for you, which I'll do in just a couple of minutes. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie.
Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Van Morrison has added a second date at Cork Opera House, taking place on June 28th. Tickets are now on sale via the Cork Opera House box office and Ticketmaster.ie. There's also still tickets for two shows coming up in June at Musgrave Park on the 18th when David Gray brings his White Ladder Tour to Leaside and the Chemical Runners with a rescheduled show taking place on Thursday, June 23rd. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. On Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96FM. Yeah, we get a call from the program manager of the Specialist Perinatal Mental Health Service and they want us to tell you the following. Women are routinely asked about their mental health at their booking visit. There is a mental health response available to women who need it in every maternity unit in Ireland. Two, in fact, in CUH. They can ask for the perinatal mental health midwife and can also be referred to the specialist team based at CUMH. Specialist services have been developed and are in place in 19 maternity hospitals across the country, including CUMH. There's a team of 10 healthcare specialists who are specially trained in perinatal mental health work at CUMH. They include psychology, mental health social work, a clinical nurse specialist and a perinatal mental health midwives led by a perinatal psychiatrist and women who have a previous mental health problem should talk to their GP. They may ask to be referred to the specialist perinatal mental health service if they're concerned because it's important they get the right advice and information about medication which is just the local services asking us to point out to you that they are there. There is a service there and it's well staffed and and you will receive the support you need through CUMH if you need it. Good to know. And you can also call any one of those two numbers that I gave you before and indeed I'll give them to you again. 0818 96 96 96. Now yesterday I was trying to contact or to talk to Dr. Isolt Sheehan about hay fever. Thankfully today isn't a day when hay fever will bother too many people because it's dreary out there. But this is the time of year, as we were saying yesterday, this is the time of year when hay fever becomes very problematic for quite a number of people. And it varies. Like with me, it's this next few weeks. With others, it's into June. Some people are now over their hay fever season. It varies from person to person. It can also go from feeling just a small bit blocked up and snotty to feeling absolutely horrible with streaming eyes, blocked up nose and just feeling sick. So Dr. Sheehan is with the Allergy Ireland Clinic in Dublin. And hopefully today we've got you on a better line, doctor. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> good. That's much, much better. we we'll start by good, good. that question. How is it that it varies from person to person, from time to time, from trigger to trigger? 
Yeah, so <clears throat> trigger actually is the word there. So it depends on what the actual trigger is for, for the person. Um, so say, for example, if their allergy is to tree pollen, then their symptoms will generally be more sort of springtime um, symptoms, maybe March, April, whereas if it's the typical grass pollen allergy, it tends to be sort of May, June, and sometimes into July. Um, but there's also weed pollens as well, which can be later in the summer. And I mean, I, it's not simply just pollen as well. Some people will have dust mite allergies and um, mold allergies even as well. So there are, there, there are many, I suppose, different triggers throughout the year that can affect different people. So I suppose causing um, causing symptoms at different times, you know. Yeah, is that it's a scourge, isn't it, that it affects so many people in so many different ways? Oh, absolutely. Like we're looking at around... You know, we, we don't have exact figures, unfortunately, for Ireland, but we're very similar to the UK. So we're looking at around sort of one in four people in Ireland suffering from hay fever or allergic rhinitis, as we would call it. Um, and, you know, for some, the symptoms are mild and easily managed. But for a lot of people, the symptoms are very debilitating and, you know, result in fatigue and just reduced energy. And it can even result in sort of mood changes for some people when they're feeling miserable, you know. Mm. Now, there's any number of over-the-counter things that you can take, allergy tablets to prevent or maybe treat. And one of the ones that used to be prescription only has gone over-the-counter in the last number of years. And for a lot of people... Mm-hmm those provide relief. If they don't, what should you do? Yeah, absolutely. So if um, your straightforward sort of antihistamine isn't actually effective enough, then there are loads of other medications. So you're best usually to see um, your GP initially um, and we tend to use sort of steroid nasal sprays um, to start with. But beyond that, depending on what's going on, um, either your GP can prescribe some um, some stronger medications or you might actually be referred to an allergy doctor who can just clarify what you're allergic to and then try and tailor a plan a bit more appropriate um, for you. Mm. Um, there are also long-term ways though to manage allergies um, now as well. So once we sort of know exactly what you're allergic to, there's immunotherapy, which... Um, is essentially like a vaccination to what you're allergic to. Um, a little tablet that has, say, a small amount of grass pollen in it and you, you take it every day over a three-year period mm. and you gradually build up a tolerance to it. So that's an incredibly effective um, yeah. treatment and we have that for dust mite and tree pollens. Um, and there's also a yeah, no, I mean, it's really, really, it, it should be used actually a, a lot more frequently because it's an incredibly effective um, uh, treatment plan Um for, for a lot of patients, but also there's a UV light treatment, treatment as well called Rhinolite, which is a sort of non-medication way to try and desensitize your nose or stop your nose from reacting to what you're allergic to as well. So there really are loads of different um, treatment options out there. And it's just making sure that you're not just taking antihistamines and, and continuing to feel miserable. Um, so for those people who, who still have symptoms, they really do need to speak to speak to their doctor. Yeah. It's not something that you just have to put up with and it'll eventually go away. Bear was on to us. Exactly. And she said, is it possible to have a chesty cough at the same time? I, I get bad hay fever, but I also get a, a bad cough around the same time. Can 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 one go with the other? Absolutely, yeah, it can. So there are two reasons a, a chesty cough or a bad cough can occur. So the first is if your nose is very inflamed and blocked up and there's a lot of phlegm in there, it can drip down the back of the throat a little bit and that can cause this constant sort of tickle, um, a mm. post-nasal drip, um, we call it. And, and that could be what's triggering a cough 
during that time. The other is, though, that if um, um, if this lady has asthma or underlying asthma, um, when you're, I suppose, flaring up from the point of view of your nose and your nasal symptoms, um, the, those allergies can also exacerbate your asthma. So it could be that her asthma is actually flared up during the, during the pollen season as well. If you suffer from sinusitis, Dr. Sheehan, can it make you more mm-hmm. susceptible to hay fever? Um, so I suppose you'd be thinking about it a different way. So you'd be wondering what's causing your sinuses to black up and, yeah. and become inflamed. And, and usually there's a lot of different reasons. One can be infection, but uh, for a lot of people, it's actually the allergies that are causing the nose to black up and that's blocking the sinuses. And once the sinuses are blocked, phlegm sits in there and, and bacteria multiply and you can get mm. infections. So I'd be sort of thinking it's not so much that it's making you more vulnerable. It, it's probably maybe the underlying cause for the, the sinus flare-ups. I see, I see. So realistically, if anybody is suffering more than the odd discomfort and if it doesn't respond to something you can get over the counter, the GP is the first protocol. Yeah, look, it can be the GP um, is probably the, the most straightforward first person to to talk to. Um, but there are allergy clinics um, like our, our clinic. We would have patients can self-refer to us oh, or really? go through their GP and get a referral as well. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, yes, you'd be tested just to sort of see exactly what you're allergic to. Um, but but um, we also, I suppose, when it's outside of a GP clinic, there's we can do a little bit more. So, for example, we'd be able to look into the nasal cavity with um, with a camera, fiber optics, and, and that really see what's going on. And mm-hmm. so it just makes it a bit easier to tailor tailor the treatment. There are a few what you might call old-fashioned folk remedies. Um, no, when I mean when I say that, I mean some people for the peak weeks, as it were, might put a, a, a bit of um, Vaseline petroleum jelly or maybe even mm. Vicks vapor rub under their nose there, just on to stop the pollen. Is that nonsense, or does it actually work? You know, it actually does work a bit. Uh, I, I'd be careful with the VIX because that can sometimes um, sort of irritate the area a bit. I'd I'd probably go just with the straightforward Vaseline and you can just put it just just inside the nasal cavity on each side, inside the nose, I mean on each side um, and it will catch a little bit of the the pollen um, as you breathe it in. The other thing that you can do as well is just using a, a saline, a salty water nasal spray or a rinse and that's quite good then when you come in after being out and about that it will clean out whatever pollen um, you did inhale as well. Yeah, I often find actually when, um, as I said, into the middle of June is when I can have my most troubles. Um, if I get in the sea, mm. swim in the sea, yeah, it's incredibly yeah. clearing for you. Yeah, salty water is amazing. <laughs> I mean, it clears everything out. It's absolutely brilliant. Plus, you're, you know, if you're at the sea, the, the pollen count is going to be much, Very much low, lower yeah. than when you're inland absolutely. as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, yeah, sea swimming, if it's if it's something um, that you enjoy, it's definitely um, a really good part of a plan for the summer months, you know. Absolutely. Uh, Doctor, can we just, ref- uh, your, your, is there a, a website for your clinic that people can make self-referrals, you said? 
Um, yeah, so our website is um, www.allergy-ireland.ie or even just type in Allergy Ireland into Google um, and you all the information is there, like our telephone number and our email. Um, and you can just send us through an email or give us a shout and um, you, you'll be triaged um, the, the receptionist will will make sure that, that it's appropriate. You're not wasting your time coming to the clinic as well. Fantastic. Listen, good to catch up with you and great that it worked uh, today. The lines weren't cooperating yesterday. I know. Did today. Thank, Thank God, yeah. Thanks very much, Dr. Isolt Sheen from the Allergy Ireland Clinic based in Dublin. A lot of people thinking about that uh, dilemma in the restaurant. If you're going out this weekend for dinner and one person might just have a salad or they might have no starter and no dessert or one person doesn't drink and there's five of you there what do you do with the bill when it comes down do you split it five ways or do you start calculating who had what who ate and who drank what does someone go looking for a pen and paper start rooting around the handbag for the back of an old receipt to start adding on what Anne had and taking away what Ian didn't eat or do you just say lads there's five of us here five way split what do you do? I, I don't know. I, I, I'm a big believer in the five-way split. Start, you know, I am. And if you're not going to eat a lot, then you're not going to eat a lot. But every, five of us out means five of us pay. That's me. Other people, maybe not so much. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. There's an interesting one. We've had a contact from a listener who, when going out of the tunnel yesterday, a substance like cement water or cement wash came down on top of their car off the flyover hit the car the car's only a couple of weeks old now they've been able to wash it off but they got a terrible fright as you would my goodness as you would but of course it could have been much worse uh, we've been sent an email uh, we have sent an email rather to the TII the transport infrastructure people the roads people to see if they can look into it for us so this is obviously someone a very new car They're driving out of the tunnel yesterday and this you know cement wash you know when you make, make cement the water that comes off of that dirty old grey mucky sulky water yeah they, they came down on top of a brand new car now apart from possibly doing damage to the car which thankfully it didn't frightened the living life out of you so we're going to follow that one up and some of your thoughts coming in regard to splitting the bills and not splitting the bills I'll get to them I will get to them before we finish today um, it's, it's, it's a busy one we are very busy. Um, more coming into on the McCurtain Street fight and the situation there. But as I said, talking about the postnatal depression earlier, the HSE were on to us uh, to remind us also that they have a web page with very useful information and they have a number of information leaflets available. 
you can search perinatal mental health on hse.ie they have a, a lot of comprehensive information on the website there's also an app for frontline staff who would like to know more about PMH which we're grateful to them for that information 0818 96 96 96 if you have any particular thoughts on anything we're talking about today and you'd like to send us a voice note also you can do that at 083 396 96 96 here's something I had never heard of we all know about the monthlies, any of the women in our lives, they'll tell you about the monthlies and, and you can see it sometimes because sometimes it's written all over a woman's face that she's struggling and those of us around them who know that they're struggling, you know, you give them a bit of space and time because it can be rough. I don't know if you're watching actually uh, conversations with friends. I picked up on the first couple of episodes of it the other night. You know what? I'll give it. I'll give it time to breathe because normal people were so good. I'll give this time to breathe. But one of the characters in in conversations with friends suffers awfully from her monthly. She collapses on the bathroom floor in the first episode. So you know it's kind of topical. But there's another thing that I had no idea what it is. Uh, it's called PMDD. And this is, apparent, well, what it sounds like to me, Dr. Brenda Moran, is that it will literally, your entire life can come crashing down every week or once a week, every or once a month for a week. I'll get it right eventually. Dr. Moran, good morning. Good morning. Hi, PJ. Is that what it um, is, that your entire life can come crashing down at the time of your monthly? It can, yes, it can for... It can for um, a subset of people that are that have the condition premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and what premenstrual dysphoric disorder is, it's an extreme form of PMS. I think that we're all familiar with the concept of PMS, whereby people and women might feel a little bit more cranky and irritable just before their period, or for a day or two before their period, before it all uh, goes away with the advent of their of, of when the bleeding starts, or a couple of days into their period. But with PMDD. Um, these symptoms are much more uh, severe and much more marked and usually occur for much for a much longer period of time and can occur for anything up to, to five to seven to fourteen days actually during the month, if not longer, for certain wow. for certain people. Wow. Yeah, because as I said, in, you know, you work around and you know so many women in your life, you get to know them well. So you kind of spot that it is that time and you, you give them a bit of time and space because that's what you do when you respect people. But for someone who's got PMDD, it's an awful lot worse than that. Yes, it is. And um, it's also underdiagnosed as well. So um, it's, you know, we're, it's probably affecting people that mightn't even be aware of it. Um, and it can be difficult to diagnose it because for, you know, these people are uh, people that have it experience marked symptoms. So they can feel very, very low, they can feel very depressed, very anxious. Not everyone will have everything, obviously. There, there's a, a list of criteria that's in the DSM-5 um, classification system, which is a classification system we used as doctors to mm. diagnose um, different mental health conditions. So mm. PMDD is actually on that classification system. Um, so there's a long list um, of different symptoms that people can have. But uh, one of the key things is that, you know, that there's a pronounced um, change in mood. Um, and then other symptoms can include marked loss of interest in your, your, you know, your general 
um, in your life and your what you're what you're normally interested in doing. You can have marked reduction in your concentration or experience a cognitive symptoms such as brain fog, feel fatigue, loss of energy, um, changes in appetite, tiredness, feeling of being overwhelmed, and then you've got physical symptoms then. But the key, uh, so when people, um, so often it can be misdiagnosed with, I suppose, general anxiety and um, depressive disorders and things like that. But one of the key differences between um, those sort of mood disorders and PMDD is that there's some some reprieve um, in with, for, when you have PMDD that your symptoms usually resolve or get better yeah. for a period of the month. So you literally have good times and bad times, literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. But when, when sometimes when the bad times are so are so bad, um, it can be difficult to recognise when you're having a good time, you know. Yeah. Um, but yes, but that's that's one of the the, the hallmark um, um, traits is that it, it, should, it will get better or it should improve at least. What's the prevalence of it? How many people are subject to it, Doctor? It's thought to affect about 5% of the population. Right. And how yeah. would they know? Like, you said it's undiagnosed. So for women listening... Underdiagnosed. Underdiagnosed, yeah. How, yeah. how would they know that they should get it checked out? So the, the key thing is is tracking your cycle. So... Um, there's a, there's a really good website actually called the it's iapmd.org so it's the International Association of Premenstrual Disorders and they have very good um, um, menstrual diaries that you can print out and you can or they have um, things that you can put on your onto your phone like an app and it's a case of tracking your cycle over a period of time because you need to see this recurring do you, do you know what I mean because everyone can have a bad month yeah. um, but what, what you need to have you need to see this kind of recurring pattern over an extended period of time to notice the the, tr- the the trend Can this make people suicidal doctor? Uh, for some people unfortunately it, it, it can, there is a significant um, increased um, rate of suicidal ideation yeah for some people mm-hmm. So how is it treated after it's been diagnosed? How is it treated? So I guess the, I suppose what, what differs, um, differentiates PMDD from PMS, because for the, for the majority of people that have PMS, lifestyle symptoms alone are usually enough to, for, to you know, to make people feel a little bit better. Mm. But for PMDD, they probably will need, um, in conjunction with lifestyle um factors which can help such as you know good diet and ex- increasing exercise um there's there's two ways whereby um there's two forms of medical treatment that we 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 can give people at the moment um so the first would be with the aim of i suppose preventing ovulation because what what it's thought to contribute to this is the normal is that people have an abnormal response to the normal rise and fall of hormones in the second half of a, of a woman's cycle. Sure. So, yeah, so that when you do blood tests and all that, checking for kind of hormone levels, they're all normal. So it's actually, it's not the, the level that's abnormal here. It's the it's the, the person's response to the hormone level going up and down. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you prevent ovulation, then you prevent this kind of rise and fall in the hormone level that goes up and down in the second half of the cycle. So um, typically, you, you know, we think methods of of, redu- of inhibiting ovulation would include the combined oral contraceptive pill. Um, so that tricks the brain into that's what the pill is, is is a synthetic form of estrogen progesterone, mm-hmm. and um, that uh, apart from being contraceptive, it um, 
it tricks the brain into, I suppose, thinking that the body is still producing estrogen progesterone. So it gives signal to the brain not to to prevent uh, hormone going to the ovaries to release estrogen progesterone. Um, so that works well for a lot of people, the pill. Um, but for a subset of people that have PMDD, they can be hormone sensitive uh, by nature so that they often don't get on well with the pill or that mm-hmm. the pill, although it reduces the, yeah. the cyclicity of their symptoms, yeah. it can be replaced with other symptoms. It's almost, is it, Brenda, it's almost a kind of, and I use the word in the broadest sense, it's almost a kind of autoimmune that your body is reacting to its own physiological processes. <sighs> Yeah, it's it's not thought to be autoimmune because of the in autoimmune um, conditions, the, the body's kind of fighting itself a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I see where you're coming from, yeah. um, but it, it's more, I suppose, um, we to be honest, we actually still don't know exactly what what, yeah. what causes it, what triggers it. Um, it's, it's, and it's you describe it, and you describe people. it so well. It's the weirdest thing. It's it's like you, it's like a reaction of the body to the most normal processes of the body. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's likely due to a neurotransmitter effect in the brain in that um, the, the rise and fall of hormones is, is for some people, uh, is affecting the neurotransmission of ser- you know, serotonin, the feel-good ho- hormone and, yeah. and GABA and glutamate. And it's likely, and that's what's then contributing to the mood symptoms in particular. Would some people go on antidepressants? They do. And one of the differences between um, PMDD and let's say menopausal, uh, you know, perimenopausal PMS, because PMS can start for the first time for women in the perimenopausal period because they get more kind of exaggerated hormonal swings. But um, in the past, um, uh, yeah, yeah. so to answer your question, yes, giving back people some serotonin via um, an SSRI which would be the common uh, medications given for anxiety and depression, that can help a lot of women and there's a definite evidence base for that. It's fascinating. Someone on the phone is asking, uh, Dr. Moran, uh, my daughter has been diagnosed with a borderline personality disorder, but she has a lot of the issues that the doctor is speaking about. Is there some kind of connection or interplay between the two? Uh, If I get her checked for PMDD and it turns out that she has it, could it help her, her personality disorder, treat the two simultaneously. I don't know if I'm going outside your purview here, doctor, but just yeah. your thoughts. Um, I mean, that there can be overlap of, of these conditions for, for sure. But I think, again, it's, it's, it's monitoring the trend, like keeping a diary. And if, if you're noticing an improvement in symptoms and a deterioration in symptoms, that's following the same trend over an extended period of time, you know, like let's say at least three to four months, then it's definitely something maybe to, to discuss with, with her doctor or her team. All right, all right. I thank you uh, for your time today. That's Dr. Brenda Moran of the Danu Clinic. There is a website, thanks doctor, there is a website where you can find out more. It's iapmd.org, iapmd.org to find out more about it. It's the weirdest of things though. It's the weirdest of things. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie
Couple of texts in about your TikTok thing. All babies are born ugly, but blossom beautiful, says Lydia here. All right. You have a theory that all babies look like Christy Moore when they they're do. born. They, they look I like Christy Moore in the middle of a song. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. yeah. My two anyway both look like Winston Churchill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they were yeah. Born. And I've got photographic evidence to prove that. Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24 7. Oh, it's 96 can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Just before we move on, I want to mention this. Suzanne was on to us. Uh, she's trying to locate a good Samaritan. It's a lady who helped her son get a car out of the ditch at the Inniscarra Dam. It was a single car collision last Tuesday night. She then came back to see they were okay. Um, but Suzanne and her son were on the phone to the insurance company and never got her contact details. She'd like to get in touch to thank her for her kindness. Suzanne says she's too embarrassed to come on air, but it means a lot to her. Whoever came across that single vehicle accident out near Inniscarra Dam car going in the ditch, you helped them to get it out. Uh, Tuesday night, they would like to make contact with you. You were driving a Toyota Yaris, an 06 Ridge, and it was bright blue. And you had, we think, your daughter in the car with you. So Tuesday night, out near Inascara, you came across some people in a pickle, as it were. You helped them, and now they'd like to thank you. That's from Suzanne. 0818 96 96 96. I happened to mention, just there as we're talking about a time of the month and stuff, I happen to mention uh, conversations with friends. And, and as I say, I'll, I'll give it a go. Because um, I like the two lead characters in it. They're great. Uh, particularly Bobby. They're, she's very funny. But I'll give it a go. It's, it's a bit slow moving, but we'll give it a shot. But there's a big tie-in between conversations with friends and the Fastnet Film Festival, which gets underway next week on the 25th on the... That's the... Tuesday, or is it the Wednesday? Tuesday, Wednesday, next day, the 25th of May, the Fascinant Film Festival gets underway and Conversations with Friends plays a big part because some of the some of the cast are coming. Hilary McCarthy, good morning to you. Hi, how are you? Lovely to be with you. And to you. It's, it's very timely, isn't it, that with Conversations with Friends just starting on the telly, you'll have some of the some of the cast and some of the some of the stars with you. It's we're delighted. I mean, it's Lenny Abrahamson, really, who is a good friend of the festival, who has organised this. And in the past, we had looked at trying to get normal people down, but it just didn't work out. And this time, Lenny rang us to say that both Joe and Alice, Joe Elwin and Alison Oliver were available to come down. And we have two, basically a double header. So we're we're kind of a double focus on conversation with friends. One from sort of the the business point of view. And it is, and the other one then is a conversation with Megan K. Fox, with Joe and Alison about the screening of it. But the other one is on the business end of things um, with Lenny himself, um, Rose Garnett from BBC Films and Ed Guiney, who's the producer, and Emma Norton. So that should be interesting. Um, so we're, we're absolutely thrilled to have them. But we'd even better news, or not better news, but more good news. Yes. Subsequent to that, Lenny contacted us to say that um, we also have another guest and from from normal people, and oh, you, you can guess who that is. Paul. Paul yeah. Meskel. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah. we're we're thrilled with that. But there, there won't be a he'll have GA shorts thrown at him from the stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just well the thing is we we've had Saoirse Ronan comes quite a bit, and you know when people the guests come, they're they're kind of left to their own devices, which is nice. You know they're not hounded or anything; sure. they just trip around town. I think no that's, that's a great thing about us. I think yeah, that's a yeah. great thing about us in Ireland that we look and we say oh look there's that guy off the telly and we kind of let them alone we might walk up and say look can I have an autograph or a selfie and it takes 30 yeah, seconds yeah. and most of them are really cool about it we don't tend to crowd them we let them get on with their no. business you know yeah and they're very good to come and give up their time and, and none of the guests who come get paid they all literally come no. we look after them they get their accommodation and they get fed and watered and they have a nice little holiday by the sea we always invite them to bring their family so that they make a little a weekend of it and I think that's what they what they like so they come back again and again so we've over 50 guests this year um, and we have 300 short films um, we have 13 feature films so we have a couple of special guests we have Ashley Walsh um, the director and we're screening three of her films mm. Elizabeth is Missing Maudie and Song for a Raggy Boy and then we have Stephen Ray oh. um, we're delighted of Stephen uh, Stephen was coming a couple of years ago and then the festival was cancelled obviously due to Covid yeah uh, he's a legend so we're thrilled to have him this year oh he's amazing yeah, yeah. I, I, so we're screening three of his right the Crying Game, um, V for Vendetta, and the other one is Angel. Some so fabulous movies, doing a, a masterclass. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, mm. and not necessarily ones that are currently, you know, in the cinemas. It's more um, there's a reason for every film that's there. Yeah. There's either a guest director or producer or um, actors from the films. Tell us a little bit about the festival them. because it's going on a while now. Well, it's it's a, essentially a short film competition that we started 15 years ago and it has sort of morphed into more than that and we now focus a lot on the um, craft of filmmaking. So aside from the craft elements, all our workshops, so we do workshops on everything from editing, sound, design, production, direction, acting, casting, you name it. We focus on different elements each year. Then we we screen features and we screen shorts in smaller venues because obviously we don't have a cinema. So we screen everywhere from the hotel, the ballroom and the hotel, to the Jam Jar Juice Bar, which is a juice bar on Main Street. We have a very special event in, in the juice bar, and it's um, a called Breaking Ice. It's a 5D Antarctic experience. So it's an immersive exhibition, and there are re- virtual reality films. There's a man called Nick who's coming, and he, he did um, an expedition. And he has to the Antarctic and he has virtual reality films. He's penguin perfume. So he'll, he'll, you'll be able to smell the Antarctic and it'll be in a cooled room and you wear your headset. So that'll be some experience. So, so we have different experiences for people around town. There's cafe right. viewing. There's um, lots of family entertainment. Right. Um, and, and of course your setting so, couldn't be better like down there. Well, if the weather's good, yeah. you're, you'll definitely be in the right place. The weather can be too good because then people don't want to go in and watch films. <laughs> but if it's anything in between, um, it'll it'll be super. Really, yeah. really good. Forecast, I think, for next week is reasonable, which for this time of May, oh, and it could yeah. mean anything. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll take it. Yeah. We'll take whatever we can get. Yeah, right. um, we have a lot of students coming from UCC and UAL, um, University Arts London, and they volunteer 
and they help us run the festival because there'll be a lot of people there over the, the five days. There's lots of stuff for kids as well. There's, you know, T-shirt painting and all that to keep the kids happy while the parents are off watching movies. And then there are kids' movies. We have an outdoor cinema this year, which we've never had before. Um, on the Sunday, we're um, in tribute to Fergus O'Farrell of Interference fame. We're screening um, Breaking Out and his uh, uh, documentary on him. And we also have a reading in the bookshop of his, his sister has written a book subsequent to his, his death. And we have a um, a concert from Interference. So that Excellent. should be something else. That'll Excellent. be on the Sunday night. They were, great, they were a great band in their time. I remember them. OK, listen, Hilary, thank you very much. Fascinating Film Festival coming up May 25th to 29th. All the deeds you need are on the web. So you can just find it by searching for... A fascinating film festival. But if you're a fan of normal people or a fan of conversations with friends, I'm sure you'll be headed for Skull next week to see who you might bump into. 0818 96 96 96. Now, we started this earlier on, and we've been such a busy morning, some rather heavy topics of conversation, but I threw it in uh, because of a, a Facebook post that I saw. It was from someone who, or not Facebook, Twitter, someone who was out with friends and the friends ordered drinks and appetizers and had lunch. And this particular tweeter had just a salad and doesn't drink. But yet when the bill came down, the plan was that it all be split equally among however many were there. Now this person is saying, I'm not cheap, but it's the principle. Am I wrong for not wanting to pay more than my fair share? And I was saying, well, if we go out, a gang of us, four, five, three, four, five, six, whatever, it comes down, the bill comes down, it's put at the top of the table, and we say, all right, six of us here, 200 quid, we split it six ways. And we all pitch in as well for whatever tip we're leaving. That's what we would do. Um, and we don't care whether you had wine and I had water. We don't. We don't care when you're with a gang. It's just not a... Not something that we think about. What about your thoughts, though? Uh, yeah, I think drink should be paid for separately, says Eleanor. Separately to food, that's one idea. If one person doesn't drink, I definitely do think a, a drink bill, separate drink bill, split it between the drinkers. Um, I do drink. <laughs> Darren says, if someone's drinking a lot or if someone only gets a starter, then leave them pay for their own and split the rest the bill should be split by everyone paying for exactly what they ordered. There's no need for one person to be going around with a pen or paper. The bill is passed around and every person adds up their own amount and money's placed in the centre of the table. Splitting a bill by just the number of people is extremely unfair, especially when the cost of eating out is so expensive. Wouldn't it take you forever, though? And Pat, hang on, I had the steak and I had the mushrooms and I had the pint and that. Two and two, carry them one. You'd be all night trying to do that, wouldn't you? If it's for someone's birthday, says Tory, but they don't pay. The rest of us split it among ourselves. That's a great idea. Mary Jane, split it evenly. Split it four ways. It's a bugbear of mine trying to add up everyone's bill. It ruins a good night out. The non-drinking designated driver, if you have such a person, goes free. Simple as that. If there's more, then you work it out as fairly as possible. But to be fair, a pint of Coke or Diet Coke, there's not a lot difference in the price. And there isn't. You're not wrong. You'll pay, what, nearly six quid, I guess. 
for a pint of Coke these days. It's as dear as a pint of Guinness. It is a while since I drank a pint of Coke. I don't be going into pubs to drink Coke. I like to have a pint of something. But most, but the, I, I must say that idea that you pass out the receipt and everyone works out. There was two desserts. Who had that? That's an awful lot of palaver for people who are supposed to be friends, I would have thought. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Just one of those shows when it comes on the telly, even if you've seen it a hundred times, and some of the episodes we have seen nearly a hundred times at this stage, you just won't switch off an episode of Father's Head. If you're flicking through at night looking for something to watch and you come across an episode of Father's Head, well, that's where the searching stops. It's just an amazing show like that. And did you know there is, believe it or not, there's a podcast, right? There's a podcast called Talking Ted, where they discuss all of the episodes of Father Ted. And they interview people involved, even though the thing was in the 90s. Patrick McDonald, or Mac, yeah, McDonald and, and Joe Rooney do that podcast between them and Patrick is also coming to City Limits uh, this weekend to the Comedy Club he joins me now Patrick the obsession with Father Ted and Owen McLove Father Owen McLove the, the, the fascination with Father Ted how has it lasted so long good morning welcome good morning thank you very much for having me on PJ yeah it's just never gone away I think it was just so well written uh, I think the, the the genius was in the scripts that they just and they haven't dated or aged it doesn't. It wasn't very uh, contemporary at the time. It wasn't topical. So it's just. It'll always be funny. A bit like Dad's Army or Only Fools and Horses. Shows like that. It, it doesn't seem to go away. Only two weeks ago, myself and Joe Rooney, Michael Redmond and Ben Keaton. They were. They was Father Stone and Father Austin. We were all in Coventry, invited to Coventry, to do a thing called uh, Covcom. It's like uh, Comic Con, but in Coventry. And it's for charity. And they brought the four of us over to sign autographs. And we were all very sceptical, thinking, sure, the English will have forgotten the show. Like, the, you know, I mean, it's big in Ireland, but surely they'll have forgotten it. But we were inundated with people, like, looking for autographs and pictures. That it's it's massive still in all through England. When when were you, know? you in it, Patrick? When 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 about was it? I'm, I'm, to me, it's the, 90, I, the mid-90s. Yeah, it, was, it started in 95. That was the first series. And they, uh, so uh, Michael Redmond was in that. He was talking about how at the time people, the audience didn't know what to make of it. Even some of the cast didn't know what to make of it. They thought it might just be a flop, that it was too weird. And uh, and then then it, it really took off the first series. And then the second series, Joe Rooney said, he, you know, he, he was in that and it was already, it was building up. By the time I was in it, I was in it in 1998 in the third series. And it was massive. Like when they, when the four main characters went out on the stage, 
to film it. They were just the the the, the audience reaction was phenomenal. They were superstars, yeah. and uh, so it was ninety. I I recorded it in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. yeah, and little did I know that all this time later yeah, I'd be recognised yeah, from it. You know, nearly thirty, nearly thirty years later, and I guess you oh know, yeah, it, it was, wasn't it? Down, God knows what we could do with his satirical genius these days. It was down to the genius of Dermot, wasn't it? Well, a lot of it was, you know, he 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 done Scrap Saturday a few years before, and it was it was one of the best Irish comedies ever made. Certainly up to that point, I would say it was the best comedy ever made. It was a great satirical show where he and Pauline Madlin yes. played all the top, all the main like political people from the time, and uh, and then it was cancelled. Unfortunately, RT cancelled it. It was very popular, but it was probably out of fear of offending some of these very powerful politicians. And and Dermot was kind of, I suppose, felt a bit washed up. And Father Ted kind of really rejuvenated the career. It was it was just a great success. And it was an awful shame then he didn't get to enjoy it and appreciate it oh, then when he after he died, obviously. Know, you know, a week after I filmed the episode I was in, you know. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember um, being here on the morning that the news broke that he had died. My God, I never forget it. Such such no. loss. And you're still going back to it nearly 30 years Later, but the stand-up side of Patrick McDonnell, like, what do you like to yes. talk about when you're on stage? I talk about all sorts of rubbish, you know. <laughs> I suppose I'll be in City Limits now on Saturday night, and City Limits is one of the best clubs in the country. I think it's the oldest comedy club in Ireland. Mm. Uh, they've had every all the big names there, and it's it's a great great club still. And uh, basically, I'll be talking about a lot of rubbish. Like, I, I watched a lot of television over the last few years, obviously during the lockdown, watching a lot of things like Dermot Bannon now. That that kind of annoyed me, really? I have to say. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, going back, like, you know, years ago, Duncan Stewart, I remember him, he'd always be knocking down walls and making things open plan. In Ireland, it was just wrong. Like, there were, like, with the drafts, it was like a wind tunnel in my house. You know, if you left the front and back door open, you'd be blown away. And then that wasn't enough. Now they just want to knock down every wall and put in big windows. Like Irish people and natural light don't go together. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, you know, my, my mother wouldn't let natural light into our house because it showed up the dirt. I'm sure it was the same for you. <laughs> you know, and, and <laughs> the filth of the place has shown up now with these big windows, you know. And, uh, and uh, you know, and, and I talk about like Donald Ski and cooking. Like that annoys me. He's putting things like basil and dill, and like, and Irish people don't have the enzymes to break down basil and dill. You know what I mean? <laughs> we can't. We hallucinate. Then you know, we think our houses are worth half a million. We, we think basil is is a fella in Fawzi Towers. Do you know? Absolutely, basil's a name. It's it's a name of an orange man up the north. You know, that's all we know is basil. Does what? poor old Fungi yeah. make? Well, of course, Fungi hasn't made an appearance in a long time now. Does he make an appearance yeah. in the show? He does indeed, yeah. I mean, we forgot it all during COVID, with everything, all the, uh, you know, everything that happened. That Fungi left us and it was heartbreaking. Like, Kerry is finished. It's just might as well. That's like Intel closing down in Leakslip because they have nothing, you know. And I think he was paying 12.5% corporation tax and he just said, I'm not paying 15% and he just swam off. Indonesia <laughs> or somewhere like that, I'd say. And then we got Wally the Walrus and he, so he hung around for two weeks and then he went to England. That was a disaster, you know? Yeah, the big problem So I'm thinking Wally if Conor was, McGregor swims away, huh? Wally was sinking boats, you see. That was the problem. Oh, he was sinking boats. He was a disaster, yeah. So I'm thinking the two of them swam away and like if Conor McGregor swims away, we're finished. 
definitely. <laughs> what about what about climate change? Because I guess you, it, it's everywhere. It's in the papers, it's on the telly, it's in the yeah. news, it's in our music. Does it turn up on stage? It does, yeah. Like, you know, we, we were going to have the turf ban and then we reverse that. But, like, you think about it. We have such a big national debt. It's, I'd say it's part of the plan that the world ends in the next 100 years from climate change. And the joke of it, like... You know, we, you see these wind turbines around the world and they're creating green energy. But here in Ireland, I'm convinced they're just plugged into the mains. They're driven off the mains and they're just big fans to cool the cattle down in the summer. That's my opinion. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we don't take climate change seriously at all here. No. Should we? Uh, well, if we, if we want to pay the national debt, uh, eventually we probably should. But if we don't... It wouldn't be the worst thing that Germany was underwater in the next 100 years. You know what I mean? (laughs) Listen, City city Limits, for more of this madness, City Limits, Saturday night, 21st May, Patrick McDonald, and tickets are on sale, I think the 20 quid, tickets.ie or the comedyclub.ie. Thanks for being with us on the Opinion Line. You'll always be Father Owen McLove, but Patrick McDonald. Take care. Thanks. Brilliant. Thanks a million for that. Bye-bye. One or two more comments on the awful... Uh, scenes on McCourton Street uh, last night um, beggars in the city 24-7, I see them early morning and early evening with blankets and quilts, they're not homeless they're living in Blackpool and Dillon's Cross and Watercourse Road says this message guys just turn a blind eye but it's illegal what they're doing, get them off the streets offer them work or take away their welfare that's not all people begging I guess but there's a few out there I just heard about putting resources into reforming people who attack on the street. The answer is be held accountable. There's plenty of people who go through a tough life and don't attack people. By what logic do we divert divert resources from those who struggle to do right and give it to people who do wrong? Do we give a chance to the right people or the wrong people? And PJ, our city has gone to the complete dogs. I've certainly been turned off going into the city at night. It's far too dangerous and we'll podcast extra that interview I did with Martin Kinney of Sinn Féin uh, about the situation do it earlier on (laughs) if you're scrutinising this is on the bills and splitting the bills if you're scrutinising the bill like that you're better off getting meals on wheels life is too short you're not wrong 0818 96, 96, 96. This popped up on my Facebook during the week. It's been well documented how much I love playing in Cork. We had an amazing gig down there in the Opera House a couple of weeks ago. But we were supposed to do two Opera Houses and unfortunately we could only do one, so a lot of people couldn't get tickets. So we're doing a gig on the 4th of June in the big top in Cork. So hopefully we'll see us there. That's the great Christy Ring. Oh, Christy Ring, my God, Christy Dignam, Christy Ring? What did I just say? Christy Dignam, Christy Dignam uh, of Aslan. Coming to Cork to the big top on the 4th of June. I said, the big top? What's that? That's not the marquee, that's something else entirely. Colin Tobin, how are you, fella? Hi, PJ, how are you? Good. I'm great, how are you? I, ne- I nearly had you bring in the, back the dead there with, with Christy Ring. But, um, what's this about? The big top? Where? When? What? Tell me more. So basically, uh, we've decided to call it Cork's Top Rockin', Cork's Big Top Rockin'. So it is on the grounds of St. Finbar's GA in Toker, so just off the link, so very accessible. Right. And when is it on? Uh, yeah, so we've taken over the bars on the June bank holiday weekend. So um, on June 4th, we have Aslan. 
Um, as Christy just said, just off the back of a sold out show in the Opera House. And unfortunately, there was meant to be two nights, That's but right. the second night never came into fruition. So um, we're honouring that for anyone that, that you know, that, that missed out. Um, and on the Sunday night, we have Dan McCabe, also off the back of, you know, sold out yeah. uh, gigs in the INEC in Killarney, sold out the Cork Opera House, yeah. uh, selling out opera houses up and down the country. He's got an, he's actually got, got an extraordinary voice. Um, that it, It's it, one of those very special voices. You, you, can't, you can't buy a voice like this. Oh, Correct. Extraordinary voice the guy has. And does it Absolutely, really, yeah. yeah. And got some great local musicians with him as well. Yeah, so on the night, we have Maeve Walsh Music, who is a Cork lady herself with a huge following and also a fantastic voice. And uh, on the night as well, just on before Maeve, we have Miles Gaffney. Oh, um, so local lad, Miles Gaffney, warming up for both of them. Fantastic, fantastic. So where do people get tickets for this, Colin? So the tickets for both gigs uh, are available at tickets.ie and if they were to type in Cork Speak Top Rockin' or my own um, name on Facebook, they'll see links for the both individual gigs. So very easy to order. It's all online. Um, Very easy process. Tickets.ie. Very good. Listen, good luck with it. It's great to see entrepreneurship and to see great acts coming to Cork. But the more gigs we have, we had two summers of nothing and great to see as much music as we can pack in over the summer. Absolutely, yeah. Colin, good to talk to you again. PJ, much appreciated. Thanks for that. Cheers, fella. That's Colin Tobin, uh, the big top rockin' at the bars uh, June weekend. That's where you get your tickets from. Speaking of events in June, the IMART Mixed Ability World Cup is in Musgrave Park from 5th to 10th June. Tickets are free, but you need to book them. Now, we at Cork's 96 are very proud media partners of this event. And just to finish out today, Moraid has been looking ahead. It's a big, big thing for me. I like inclusivity and stuff. So to see the way lads are here today and brings pride to me. To have a disability myself, but I don't see it as a disability. I see, I see it like a normal, normal person, basically, and uh, I'm just happy to do whatever else does, and I'm just happy to be here, and just that's it. It's my first World Cup. I honestly never thought I'd be playing rugby, let alone playing here in Wuzzlegar Park and playing in the World Cup. It's just, it's unbelievable. Hard, hard to put in words, but hopefully we can go all the way. If not, sure, it's just, just a day experience and stuff like that. And I say you've mighty cracked, eh? Oh, we do, we do. <laughs> as, as, as they say, what happens on tour stays on tour. <laughs> Brilliant. John Bransfield plays with Sunday's Well Rebels, a mixed ability rugby team. The IMART Mixed Ability Rugby World Cup in Cork will host an estimated 25,000 players and spectators at Musgrave Park next month. Keith Johnston is volunteer coordinator for IMART 2022. We have 28 teams coming from all over the world to play in a tournament. We have 82 games over four days. Um, in Musgrave Park in Cork it's going to be lots of fun lots of rugby lots of smiles it's a very inclusive probably the most inclusive event in the world this year I would imagine certainly of this size uh, we have teams coming from Argentina Chile Ecuador Poland Canada all over the UK 
and, and uh, quite a few from Ireland as well. It's great to see growth in our version of, of the sport that we love. Around 1,100 players will be involved in the tournament. Sheila Philpott's son Richard is captain of Sunday's Wild Rebels. I never thought when Richard was diagnosed with autism as a maybe, I suppose he was three, I, I never thought I'd see this day where he would be leading out, be captain and, and, all, the, and all that comes with it. I'm so proud. I am so proud. The lads, obviously, they don't see disability, but it has opened a world to them. In the playing alongside all their teammates, it's given them confidence. They don't see themselves any different. If you look out there at the pitch tonight and you see them all playing, you don't see disability. It's so important, and particularly sport. It breaks down barriers, and they put on they put on their jersey, and they're just one of the lads. Alan Crockwell is director of Imart Cork 2022 and founder of Ireland's first ever mixed ability rugby team, Sunday's Wild Rebels. Mixed ability rugby is the concept of playing rugby under world rugby rules with people with and without disabilities basically it is what it says mixed ability so rugby is the game for all shapes and all sizes as we know and now it's all abilities so we have people who have disabilities and don't have disabilities but one thing what we have here in abundance is uh, teammates and that sense of fun and friendship and and, and real true inclusion and you will see it on the pitch but more importantly you'll see it off the pitch because we have a fantastic lineup of festival events in our in our third half marquee tickets for the tournament are free and can be booked on imarchworldcup.org It's going to be a cracking event. I look forward to getting out there to, to Musgrave Park to that in June. Can we just the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie You're listening to highlights from The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.